We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the men from Odo, and you are listening to episode 23, Walk Like an Egyptian. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line after his eight-hour-ish uh, set review that he just did. Uh, so he's going to cap, cap it off with a couple more hours here. Uh, Mr. Sowers, how are you this week? Very good. Very good. That was a, a really good set review show. Um, did that with Neil Oliver on stream today. After talking about the format for eight hours, I feel like I've got a little bit of a grasp of what's going on here, but all of that's erased as soon as we sit down for the first draft, right? But yeah, I I, I can literally talk about magic for 10 hours a day and still want to talk about it more. So I, I'm in a very good place, man. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I've had a good week. I've uh, I've been reviewing these cards um, with great anticipation. I look forward to this set quite a bit. Um it looks like a fantastic set. I think Wizards really nailed the the theme. And uh, there are some really cool cards, some real cool archetypes. Uh, the mechanics seem really cool. And um, I've done a couple of practice uh, sealed pools. And oh boy, do the decks look amazing. So I, I can't wait to get out to my pre-release and uh, play a couple of events. And since we're the men from Moto, let's go ahead and give a huzzah to Magic Online. Like occasionally Magic Online messes some stuff up. But they have, have done something that I think is really amazing. After the pre-releases, we can go play this on Magic Online this coming Monday. Uh, so like, there's, there's no waiting. This is fantastic. That two weeks of awfulness where I'm drafting a dead format is gone. So huzzah for Magic Online. You guys rock. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I can't wait to to light some tickets on fire and not even, not really light tickets on fire, but I cannot wait to throw all my play points and all my extra tickets that are sitting around and draft this set for the first week. Um, you know, I'm going to stream it. It's going to be a ton of fun. And I, I'm very glad that uh, that we don't have that downtime, that I don't have to play a cube that I'm not really a fan of. And I don't have to just take three weeks off streaming and just not do anything. So thumbs up. Let's do it. Burninating the tickets. Yes. Throwing up the horns. Some bolas horns in this set. There you go. All right. So for our set review this week, um, it's going to be different than our last one. Uh, we're going to shave about six hours off of it to start. <laughs> yeah. And um, we decided that the, 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 the well, we, it was enjoyable for us um, and that maybe like the eight people that listened to it. Um, we thought that maybe we could get better content packed down into to something closer to an hour and a half to two hours. And instead of talking about every vanilla three, two and, and two, four, that doesn't do anything and bad card in the format, we're just going to talk about the interesting cards, the good cards, um, and focus more on archetypes and the cards that maybe fit in those archetypes and kind of just take a natural progression through the set as we explore it. So we're going to skip over a lot of cards. Uh, we're not going to read maybe every single card or, uh, that you're interested in or every single rare, for example. Um, but we are going to look at some key cards and, and talk about some cool things. And, um, uh, you know, you, you can evaluate the rest of the cards on your own or you can go to another source for your review. There's, you know, we're easily in maybe the top 15 out there, I would say, of set reviews. So um, you should be able to find something else if, if you would need to fill that gap. Um, but we're going to take that different approach this time and uh, and uh, see how it goes. So 
if you enjoy this format or you want to see something different, you know, give us some feedback uh, after you've listened to this and uh, we'll see how we change it for next time. But I'm pretty confident that this will be the way to go uh, going forward. So I think so, too. I think this gives you like a little like there's plenty of places you can go if you want eight hours. Talk about every card. Right. Like I just produced one of those today. Uh, you're going to have one from limited resources. Every, just about every other streamer has done some sort of set review where they read through all of the cards. LSV does the write-ups, but I, I think what's not necessarily there is, Hey, I'm going to the pre-release. What can I listen to on the way there that will have me at least understanding what this set is about? And that's what I think we can provide for you here. Exactly. So you might not have to sit down and really focus on consuming this. Hopefully you can run this in the background and uh, just absorb it uh, via osmosis. So there you that's, go. that's my goal anyway. That should be a mechanic one day. Osmosis. I'm not sure what it, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that <laughs> topic for another day. Um, okay. So I think we're going to start with, I think just the mechanics. So the, the new mechanics in the set and also the returning mechanics um, and kind of just start from there and that'll kind of seed our conversation um, in, into the different directions you can go in this format and some of the, the cool things as well as kind of the, some, the, the, some of the overall concepts, you know, do we think it's going to be a fast format, slow format? You know, maybe we can we can touch on those a bit when we're talking about the mechanics here as well. So where should we start? Should we start with um, Embalm since I'm looking at an Embalm card? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. So Embalm is a, a very neat mechanic. I think this is really cool. Um, it's found on creatures and uh, it, it has a it has a cost associated, a mana cost associated with it. So, uh, for example, I'm looking at the Angel of Sanctions, which is a very cool card. Uh, and it has a casting cost of three white white, but it has an embalm cost of five white. And what embalm is, is basically flashback for creatures. It allows you to pay the mana cost and exile the card from your graveyard. And then you create a token copy of it with some extra attributes. For example, it's white, it's a zombie, um, has no mana cost, you know, some other rule effects types uh, type things to it. But essentially you're getting, you're turning your dead creature into a token, which is a zombie. So it's also dead um, for a variable cost. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's the same. So you get extra value out of your creatures. Is it actually? I didn't notice that. I thought they were all around the same, but that's cool if you can find ones that are for less. So you can get, you know, if you can get the cards into your graveyard some other way. Uh, oh, right, the the Hydra. Yeah. You can uh, you can get some extra value and get your, your, you know, big creatures out for cheap. So that's Embalm. What's what's your take on Embalm from a from a strategy perspective? Um, it, 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 it lends me to think that we're going to have a slower format where games are going to last longer because all of my creatures are dying into more creatures. And I'm also in a scenario where being flooded may not be quite so bad. Like you don't just win the game because I drew too many lands because it looks like I'm going to have stuff to do with my mana. Uh, we're coming from Aether Revolt where having mana sinks was, I mean, just a, a super luxury that we didn't always get, which was one of the reasons why you would often play, you know, less than 17 lands in that format. But here, like a lot of cards are just built in two for ones. Uh, so you've, you've got to start a lot better than just being a two for one to start being included here. So it makes me think that we're going to have a little bit of a slower environment. Some colors notwithstanding, of course, but like we're getting a lot of value out of these creatures with embalm on them. I should note that uh, you can only embalm as a sorcery. So mm-hmm. uh, so you're making decisions in the main phases of your turn. What are you spending your mana on? And it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Khan's uh, block with the morphs where it was, are you building your board um, or are you unmorphing? And this is more, are you playing cards from your hand or are you playing cards from your graveyard? Um, and you kind of have to make that decision on the best way to spend your mana. 
So I think I think it's a very cool, uh, fool, cool, fool, cool mechanic. Uh, not for fools, I would say, um, but it is definitely going to be skill testing in that um, you have to make sure that you're making favorable trades, um, not only to get your value off your embalmed creatures, but to try to not give value to your opponent's embalmed creatures. Uh, I think that'll be a key skill testing uh, component of this format. Or kill them before they can get the value out of their embalmed creatures. It, it seems like Red may be interested in that. There you go. Okay, um, what's the second mechanic as I cycle down here that we've got? Cycling. So uh, you want to explain the cycling since that's kind of from your day and not really mine? Yeah, I'll, I'll go through cycling. So cycling at, at its vanilla case is here's a card that has an effect. It can be any type of card from a creature to an enchantment to an instant. And you can spend two colorless mana, discard this card to draw a card. Some cards have alternate cycling costs. So it may be one colored mana. It may be three colorless mana, et cetera, et cetera. You can cycle at instant speed. And some of them have like an effect when you cycle them. But generally speaking, cycling is you can you can have this card or you can discard it to draw another card for some mana cost, usually around two. Um, cycling initially, like... On first blush, you may think, why would you ever cycle a card? What it's actually letting you do, and I I use this example some in the set review today, but I think it's worth repeating. Destructive tampering, I I think, ended up being the best red common that you wanted one of. Like, we're not first picking the card, and I understand that, but it was so flexible and so good because blowing up an artifact in Aether Revolt Limited format was fantastic, and occasionally you accidentally won the game. Cycling lets you play effects like that that are, are somewhat... Um, narrow, but not get stuck with them in your hand when they're not going to work. Um, an example, there's a cycling fog. I would never main deck a fog. I think I might be main decking a cycling fog on occasion in this format. Um, because again, it's a very narrow effect. that can be quite good when it's good. The downside is it's just a dead card in your hand and cycling removes that. It also helps smooth out uh, mana draws. So like if you keep a two lander with a cycling card and you don't hit your third land, all of a sudden I can just cycle this to get to the next one. Uh, so I, I heard some people saying maybe, and this is a little bit deeper, but some people said, is it going to be an 18 land format because of all the mana sinks? I don't think so. I think cycling says we probably still want to be around 17 lands, uh, but that, that's probably more than you wanted to know about cycling, but that's that's what it does. And if you've never played with cycling, um, it is an instant speed. So it is something that you can hold up on your opponent's turn and you can draw to not give them that additional information, which I think is uh, is really cool. Um, not only do we have the cycling mechanic, but we have a lot of synergies with the cycling mechanic. Uh, there are some creatures that um, get either a long-term or a short-term bonus um, when you cycle or discard a card. So holding it up at instant speed can be very, very useful um, as almost like a combat trick for some creatures um, or some other additional effects that you can see on enchantments uh, later on here. So cycling is really cool, A+. Plus. Um, the flexibility is what makes it powerful. Agreed. Very cool. Um, our third mechanic, and this is also very cool. Um, this The mechanics in this set are, are just awesome. Um, aftermath. So we have a split card. Uh, for those of you who were around in, was it Return to Ravnica block had the split cards? Yeah, Gatecrash. Gatecrash. Was it Gatecrash? Or DGM? Or uh, sorry, uh, Dragon's, Dragon's Maze. Maze. Dragon's Maze. You're right, absolutely Dragon's Maze. right. Had had the um had the the most recent fuse cards, which were split cards you could cast both halves of. Um, the aftermath cards are neat. Uh, they're a little 
hard on the eyes. Uh, they're hard to read when I'm looking at them on the screen here, but I'm sure Magic Online will handle that in a in a nicer way when you zoom in on the card. Um, but they are uh, split cards. One half, the top half is cast from your hand, and the bottom half is cast from your graveyard. So it's like you have flashback on the card, but the flashback is different than the initial cast of the spell. So the one that I'm looking at here is Dusk to Dawn. It's Dusk is the first half, Dawn is the second half, and you're supposed to put the word two in between them when you're reading it out. Um, Dusk is a is a board wipe, destroys all uh, creatures with power three or greater, so not quite a board wipe. Um, and then Dawn can only be cast from your graveyard, and it says return all uh, cards, I'm turning my head sideways here, with power two or less from your graveyard to your hand. So you'll see the two different effects. So you get it's it's like a a built-in two for one it may be the wrong term but you're getting two uses out of a single card and then it obviously depends on what you're spending that card on um but if you can cast both halves of the card um you know you can get a really good amount of value out of one card in your deck yeah it's it's a a fresh new take on the flashback mechanic which i think is really cool so I, i can cast it from my hand and do one thing i can cast it from my graveyard and do another if it ends up in my graveyard through some other means be that milling or discard i can also get some value from it there um so this is a format where just basically off of the embalm and uh these aftermath cards so far that if you ever have a choice to mill yourself or your opponent you should almost always choose yourself because there's there should be value in the graveyards around y'all Yes, I agree. Okay. Um, I scrolled past this one earlier, but we've got another mechanic, which is exert. Now, it's not really a keyword, um, but it is an ability that is attached to a creature. Do you want to maybe explain what exert is? Yeah, exert is basically when you attack with this creature, you can choose to have it not untap during your next turn and get some effect. It will tell you what that effect is on the card, and you'll need to evaluate them from, from there. Um, in that way, it functions similarly to Battalion from Gatecrash in that when you attack, like there was a, a, a way to trigger this effect and the effect would be different on each of the cards. Right, exactly. And um, so, you know, they, they work a little extra harder and you get a little bit more bang for your buck. Um, these are all really cool um, for the most part and I think very strategic as well. So you'll have to make a decision between when do you exert and when do you you know, just beat in for a normal amount of damage with your creature. Generally speaking, the exert will give you a power and toughness bonus. Um, sometimes it gives you other effects, but it's, they're all for the most part combat based. I think there's only a couple that are not giving you a bonus to power and toughness or, or making things not block or, or things like that, for example. So, um, you know, generally speaking, you're making that decision of, of consistent beats versus, you know, more of a spiky, you know, mountain valley type beating, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's a good description. So I don't think I missed any of the like mechanics, the keyword mechanics. Um, did I miss anything there? I, I don't think I did, right? We got cycling, um, embalm, embalm, exert. Ap- exactly. I, There's no I, other ones there, right? I think those are the main ones. There's some themes once you get into specific colors and color pairs. But yeah, those are those are the mechanics we're looking at. Yeah. One of the themes that's kind of across the board, uh, or at least in most of the colors, is the minus one, minus one counter theme. So this is new for, um, not new, but but for people that have only been playing maybe recently like I have, um, minus one, minus one counters are uh, rare when it comes to uh, to magic sets. Um, and when you have minus one, minus one counters in a set, you can't have plus one, plus one counters in a set. So, but there is a definite minus one, minus one counter theme across the board, and that will change 
kind of your take on combat and, and a lot of creatures. Normally we're thinking about things getting bigger. Um, now we're looking at things getting smaller and uh, it, it's kind of something you just need to be aware of and that your your creatures might just disappear or become infinitely or permanently smaller, I guess. Not infinitely, but permanently smaller. Um, and this is just something to be aware of. So that, that's kind of neat. I look forward to playing with that as well. And then there's kind of a little bit of a, it's not quite hell bent. I've heard people describe it as mm. heck bent strategy for the the Rakdos color pairs where you kind of just want to have one or fewer cards in hand. Uh, so there's, there's another little theme there like that. Yeah. There's a lot going on here. There really is. It's, it's deep, it's intricate. And I, I believe there's going to be multiple ways to play this set. So I'm man, I'm ready. I'm let's walk right. like an Egyptian. Outstanding. Okay. So uh, if you've never heard of the, the term, uh, you know, signpost cards, um, wizards, when they're doing their set designs lately, they kind of put these these key cards in in, uh, in the gold color slot, so that the multicolor slot, they kind of give you an indication as to where the set is going or how it's supposed to be drafted or played in sealed, I guess, in limited environments. Um, so generally speaking, you could look at the uncommon or common gold cards if there are any, and you can kind of see a theme in each of them. And uh, so we're going to start there and we're going to kind of maybe talk about the different archetypes or the, at least the, the things that we see in these cards um, and how we think that these different color combinations should be approached. So we'll probably just go in the order that they're on the Wizards website in and we'll start with the on crop champion. So you're asking why crops? I haven't really read the story, but I've read that the uh, the crops are the, the groups of participants in these trials that Nicol Bolas is farming for whatever dubious reason. So I think it's pretty cool, and you're going to see a lot of these these characters throughout the story here. So, so On Crop Champion is a two green-white uh, casting cost human warrior uh, creature, and it's 4-4. Four, four. Pretty good value there. And when you exert it, or so you may exert it when it attacks, and if you do, you get to untap all other creatures you control hot diggity damn yeah i think i'm pretty happy with this already um and it's hinting at what green and white wants to be doing uh which appears to be attacking and exerting creatures so giving mm. the rest of your team vigilance is already fine like take it out of exert and this is good but white has a lot of good exert creatures in it and green has some decent ones as well so pairing these together in addition pairing it with combat tricks there's multiple combat tricks in both green and white that untap your creatures anyway. Um, so I think we've got a very strong exert theme in these two colors. And this card is kind of highlighting that and pushing us towards it. The The notable cards I would point out to kind of uh, get us into this theme and kind of understand what we might be doing. Um, one of the cards that I, I uh, identified that, that, that goes with this is Dejiro's Resolve which is white mana for an instant untapped target creature, prevent all damage that would be dealt to the, this turn. And it's got cycling for two. This card would be fine in a normal set because you have cycling, but in something with exert that surprise untap and nab something is going to be fantastic. And then we can just, I, I think one of the cards that we identified is going to be a, a pretty good exert card um, is Ta crop elite, which is three and a white for a two, two bird warrior when you exert it, creatures can you control um, get plus one, plus one until end of turn, and it has flying. So it's kind of like a team pump. And if you're able to use this uncommon to untap the rest of your team, you can continue to use this bird over and over again while you're just forcing more and more damage. Um, and then aside from that, there's two combat tricks in green that untap guys and plenty of, of exert creatures there too. So I think that, that this uncommon is really pointing us in that direction of, hey, you want to be attacking with creatures probably on the ground and trying to take advantage of this exert mechanic. 
Yeah, I think the key exert cards are going to be the evasive ones. So the one with the with flying or um, obviously if you have some kind of combat trick backup, those are the those are the key ones there. So you can keep your exert creature alive um, or the built in exert creatures that um, are tough to like or the, the the ones that are tough to block or get you some additional value so the one that i like i think is the devoted crop mate um which is a three two with exert and when you exert it um you get to return a creature card with converted mana cost two or less uh, from the graveyard to the battlefield so cards like that can get you extra value um even if you're trading it you're still getting some hopefully some additional value out of it um and then what's the other one that i was looking at oh the glory bound initiate which is a rare um all the cards yeah, we just talked about i think great. are great common or uncommon but glory bound initiate is bonkers it's one in a white for a three one which is fine for the most part in most sets um it's aggressive but you know can can you know will trade with a lot of things but the best part is, is if your opponent has something like a, a one one on the other side of the board you can exert this to give it plus one plus three and lifelink till end of turn so now all of a sudden you're a four four attacking on turn three potentially with lifelink sure it's every other turn but that's a huge swing on turn three and if they don't have anything on the board, you just nug them for three and then exert it the next turn, for example. So this plus the the uncommon, the on-crop champion, um, well, they're best friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. There lo- lots of good things you can do there. But I, I do think this uncommon is a, a great way to point us towards what green and white would like to be doing in Ammon Cat. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. You want to do the next one? Yeah, absolutely. We'll look at Avon Wind Guide, uh, which is our white-blue poster child. Uh, two white blue for a two three flying vigilance. That's already pretty darn good. Creature tokens you control have flying and vigilance. Okay. And in case you weren't getting what you're supposed to do that with, this has embalm for four blue white. Yeah. This this is a really good example of an embalm creature that really gets you that two for one value just built right into it. So your opponent not only is it is it it's not really a must answer card like if you played on turn four with no other tokens or anything like that um but it can pick away for damage fairly quickly um and once your opponent does remove it then they still have to deal with it again at some point in the future so um that's really cool and there definitely is obviously that token sub theme not just within balm but there's also a lot of kind of uh token makers in the set like there's a lot of um zombies if you play three colors like black zombies i mean Obviously, mm-hmm. your embalm tokens, um, but there's also a lot of warriors, uh, you know, one ones and one one vigilances. There's some cat tokens. There's a lot of tokens um, just kind of flying around here quite literally with this card. So I look I look forward to a deck that goes wide. And there are some cards that you can take advantage of for, that that have the exert, for example, to the to the team pump or the, the team pump exert um, with your token deck. And there's some uh, anthem, you know, instant speed anthem type effects that you can you can leverage here as well. So. I look, I look forward to that quite a bit. Um, key cards, I think, in this uh, for the embalm side of things. I mean, I'm just going to skip over the angel sanctions. We'll talk about that later. But the kind of the, the commons and uncommons, the ones that I really like are there's a, a 3-2 Vigilance for 3 that uh, has embalm 5, which I think is really good. Um, I think actually that'll probably just be the best, maybe the best white common question mark. Uh, it's pretty bold to say that right now, but it is very, very good. There's the True Heart Duelist, which is a one and a white for a two-two with Embalm two, and it can block uh, two com or two creatures in combat. So pretty good value there. Um, those are I think the, the two key Embalm cards, and then there's some kind of neat ones in blue as well. There's the uh, 
the illusion, which is uh, one oh, and a blue so for good. a two three. This is this is a weird card for blue, so I'm just going to find it here as I scroll through here. Do you remember what it's called? Yeah, it's Labyrinth Guardian. Labyrinth Guardian. There we go. Um, so it's a, it's a one and a blue for a two three in blue, which is a very strange stat line in blue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has embalm for three and a blue, and it has the downside of if it becomes targeted by a spell because it's an illusion, uh, you have to sacrifice it. But it's not spell or ability, which is a big deal. Which is a big difference. So this card will block a reasonable number of things. Like, I wish it had three power, but I mean, it's blue. Bakers can't be choosers here. Um, But it's very good on turn two. You can probably get some damage through with it and then double block with it somewhere else along the way um, and maybe get that extra value out of it. So um, there's some very cool cards here. And I mean, you know, if if you give it a flying in vigilance with the the wind guide, uh, you're looking at some some pretty good damage coming through here for a very small amount of mana on the embalm cost relatively speaking yeah and another card that i i think gets a good bump with that particular uncommon is the ta crop skirmisher like after going through all of the embalm cards this is a, a two mana two one in blue with embalm for three in a blue like that's kind of unexciting when you compare it to all of the other cards here but if i've got this uncommon and all of a sudden that token's going to come back and be a two one flyer I'm considerably more interested in this card, especially if I can trade it off for somebody's bears earlier or their three twos. Um, so I, I think once you have uh, this this particular gold card, you're getting more and more interested in something just being a token. Like all of the the cards in white that produce one one warrior tokens get better, e- even though they don't necessarily benefit from the vigilance side of of the bird here, because most of them already have vigilance. Like one one flyers are, are approaching a full card. Uh, so I think the Avon Wind Guide is giving you quite a bit of value. Agreed. Okay. I look forward to playing Embalm. So that's not only am I looking forward to exerting, I'm also looking forward to playing Embalm. Uh, and then I also look forward to drafting this next card very, very highly. Decimator Beetle, which is a uh, three black and a green, so five mana for a four five insect. When it enters the battlefield, put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature you control. So you're thinking to yourself, well, that sucks. This is a theme in these colors. There are a lot of cards that will put minus one, minus one counters on creatures you control. And the reason for that is is because in a lot of cases, their stat line is pushed. So you'll notice that in in some of these later cards, but you're thinking a four, five, which is basically, let's look at it as a three, four, if it puts the counter on itself, you know, for five mana, that's not very good. Nah. uh It's the second bit of text here that's important. Whenever Decimator Beetle attacks, remove a minus one, minus one counter from target creature you control. So that one that you just put down, you can now take it off. And put a minus one, minus one counter on up to one creature, up to one target creature defending player controls. So every time it attacks, it removes a minus one, minus one counter from something on your side of the field, and it puts a minus one, minus one counter on something on the other side of the field. Now, if you don't have a minus one, minus one counter, no big deal. You still get to put the minus one, minus one counter on something else on the other side of the table. So you attack once, it's a four five when it attacks. You attack again, it's still a four five, and now your opponent's creatures are starting to shrink even further. I'm a big fan of this card. Yeah, this this is fantastic and uh, really, really has me wanting to go into this particular color pair. Um in the rare slot, there are some absurd things that you can do with this, but j- just going into something uncommon and to carry out these themes a little further, 
Uh, we've got cards like Crocodile of the Crossing, which is three and a green for a 5-4 haste. When it comes into play, you put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature you control. You don't really care about that minus one, minus one counter if you've got something like this. And, and even that card on its own is, is like a Portland Minotaur with haste. I'm happy about it. Um, and, and there's a lot of cards that that interact with putting counters on themselves. Um, a, another key card, I, th- I think, in this archetype is going to be the Doom Dissenter, which is one and a black for a 1-1. One, one. When it dies, you get a 2-2 two, two black zombie creature token. The drawback of a lot of these black and green cards with the negative one, negative one counters is they're putting so many on something that they're going to completely ruin the card. And this guy is just sitting there waiting to soak up those negative one, negative one counters. Like he's just begging for it. Let him have it. So like ideally you would curve that into then some stupid pushed stat line, dump all your counters on this guy and have a two, two zombie left over. Um, And I, I think that's a lot of what black green is wanting to do. And it's an early front runner for for best color combination in the set, as as far as I'm concerned. One card I think I want to keep my eye on in uh, black with the minus one minus one is the Soul Stinger, yeah. uh, which is four so mana for ability. Yeah, four mana for a four five that puts two minus one minus one counters. So if it comes into play and it's the only thing, then it's going to be a two three. But when it dies, you get to move those minus one minus one counters that are on it onto another target creature. Um, so it's a two three that is basically blocking like a four three if you want to look at it that way um which which i think is is really cool and or you can even just forget putting minus one minus one on itself and like you said like drop it on a on a one one on a stupid one one and um you've got a a four mana four five reminds me of what was the card from cons bellowing saddle brute yep which was a very good card (laughs) it's very good all i want to do with the soul stinger is curve soul stinger into soul stinger and have one as a zero one sitting there just waiting to chump block and kill your stuff. And the other one being a four or five to beat you in the face. Oh my, that sounds amazing. And Why am I common. not drafting this? Why am I not drafting this set right now? And we can't yet, but we will be soon. No. We will be soon. Okay. I will draft it in my dreams. <laughs> All right. Next up. Do you want to do this one? Yeah. Next up we have the Enigma Drake, uh, which is one blue red for a star four flyer. The star is its power equal to the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. There's your, there's your signpost theme right there. Yeah. I think this may be one of the weaker themes. Um, although I, I could find some cards that sort of want to play well with this. We've got a common one, three prowess in red. Uh, as well as an uncommon um, four mana two three that comes into play and deals damage to a creature equal to the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. Um, and then we've got a couple more blue cards uh, that that play well with this. One of them I think is worth having a little bit of a conversation about, uh, primarily because we're just coming from Gear Seeker Serpent Land, and that's Cryptic Servant. Uh, Crypt- mm. Cryptic Serpent. Uh, it's five blue blue for a six five serpent. It costs one less to cast for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. Now, I think the card's pretty good. I don't think it's busted or it's anywhere near Gear Seeker Serpent levels because the activated ability on Gear Seeker Serpent is what made it just so ridiculous, right? Like, if they can't interact with it, you just win the game. Whereas this is like, hey, you got a good deal on some big beef after you dirtled around cycling some cards. So I, I think this is a theme and a signpost for this. Like, early reading through the cards, it doesn't look like this particular color combination is going to be as good if you can pull it off. Um, but that, that doesn't mean that if you draft this, you know, 20 times, it won't be correct to, to go in on these once. Mm-hmm. 
Am I just wrong for being a little down on Cryptic Serpent because it's a 6-5 instead of a 5-6? No, I don't think so. Um, like, there's a, a couple cards that, that make you more interested in, in having the power rather than the toughness. Um, the blue cartouche being potentially one of them, like if we're going to launch mm. something, that's not bad. And the red cartouche being the same way, like if we can make something not block later and swing in with this, I could kind of see that going. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it doesn't really matter. I, I prefer a little more power than toughness. Just because if I can clear the way with a bounce spell or whatever, which this deck is probably playing, I can kill them faster. Yeah. Um, I think my problem with this archetype is I'm finding it hard to find the powerful cards that are dedicated to this archetype. Yeah. You know, this this almost seems like like you're you're not really getting a ton of synergy out of this. So like the card that I'm looking at is in blue. It's called Scribe of the Mindful. It's two and a blue for a two-two human cleric. And it's one and a tap, sacrifice it, and you get to return an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. That just doesn't seem too exciting. And, you know, even even if you're in this this kind of where you're playing a lot of instants of sorceries and, and putting them in the yard with mill or, or things like that or discarding them when you're when you're looting and things like that. But it seems like those those kind of cards don't really pay off on their own. So yeah. unless you're really hitting critical mass of, of synergy here, it doesn't feel like that's what you want to be doing now that being said there's probably fine blue red decks it's just those fine blue red decks are probably playing you know cards that are just good value yeah i I think blue red again we're very early and i could be exceptionally wrong but i suspect that blue red will be good blue red good blue and good red cards that i drafted and this drake may be included in them right like if i can get this to a two four flyer by using a bounce spell and a removal spell i'm pretty happy so i'm not looking to make this a 10-4 and win the game with it and i i I think you would be making a mistake if you tried to do something like that because you're very soft to one removal spell but if you're like hey blue and red has spells and this is a flyer and i can probably get it to a two four you know anything over that is gravy I, i think you'll be pretty happy with that agreed all right, so the next signpost, I guess we want to call it that, is the Honored Crop Captain, uh, which is a white and a red for a human warrior. It's a 3-2, pretty good value there. Uh, and whenever it attacks, other attacking creatures get plus one, plus zero until end of turn. And for your two-headed giant people out there, it's not just ones you control. Um, Yeah, this is very aggressive. Yeah, it looks like, um, unlike in, in sets of the past, that white red is interested in attacking. <laughs> unlike yeah <laughs> yes indeed um so some of the key cards that go in this so this is you know not a not an explicitly you know explained kind of archetype but it's definitely a go white archetype right your your white red aggro um cards are interested in obviously anything that makes a token so your cheap embalms or even your reasonably priced embalms or your your cheap creatures that turn into embalm creatures um, and anything that makes a token. So Cartouche of Solidarity um, is probably neat in this type of archetype, but it's not uh, overly powerful in general. It's a it's a white, single white for an enchantment or a uh, cartouche, which is important later on here. Um, and you put it on a creature you control, and when it enters the battlefield, you get a 1-1 one, one white warrior token with vigilance, and you're, that creature gets plus one, plus one in first strike that has the cartouche. Combo that with the trial... Uh, which I'm going to scroll down and give you the exact name for. It is the Trial of Solidarity, which is two and a white, for just an enchantment, not an aura. And when it enters the battlefield, creatures you control get plus two, plus one, and gain vigilance until end of turn. Now, all cartouches is a bit of a cycle here. 
Whenever a cart or sorry, all trials, whenever a cartouche enters the battlefield under your control, return trial of solidarity to its owner's hand. So you can, you know, repeat this effect multiple times. However, I think with this effect, you want to be winning the game probably the first time you play it, unless you're okay sacrificing your, your little weenie creatures and throwing them kind of to the wolves and letting them, letting them get eaten or trade. Um, there's also a couple of team pumps. Um, the cycling you know, one in speed. red. Oh, there you go. There's a cycling one in red, a, the trumpet, trumpet blast, similar to that. Um, there's a plus one, plus one to your team, I believe, at instant speed, plus two if they're zombies. Am I correct on that one? Yeah, plus two, plus one if they're zombies struggling to find it here in in octara's name um so yeah this this is really neat um i similar to the blue red spells and instance or uh, sorceries and instance matter it's not like explicitly supported and you'll probably find yourself playing just good red and white creatures anyway um but i could definitely see kind of the critical mass of tokens as a possibility when you're drafting yeah, I don't think that the critical mass of tokens is quite as easy to get as you might think, but it, it is pointing us to the idea of white red wants to be attacking with low casting cost creatures to, to try to get some damage through. And we've got a little bit of cheese here with fling being reprinted um, in a scenario where like somebody's going to think they're they're safe at 10 life. You attack with a 2-2. Two, two, they don't block. You brute strength it, hit them for five and then fling it, hit them for another five. Good game. <laughs> Um, so we're, we're not really running like the en enchantments, like, you know, giant spectacles or whatever, but there's still some cheese here. If you enjoyed that style of gameplay and the removal, uh, suite in this set seems, I guess about on par with what we expect these days, which is to say bad removal from my perspective. So you can get away with a little bit of cheese. Um, so, so don't be afraid to play some cards like that in your aggressive red, white deck at your pre-release. If you know, you open a good pool for this sort of thing, go for it, man. I I agree. I agree. Um, what's next here? We've got do you want to do the charioteer? Oh yeah, we've got Kenra Charioteer, uh, which is one red green for a three three jackal warrior with trample. Other creatures you control have trample. Yeah. Big dumb things in green red. What are the odds? Yeah, there's some seriously fat creatures in green, and giving them trample is fantastic. Uh, there's also some high power, low toughness creatures in red. So even making the so that when those trade off, your opponent still takes some damage is something you're going to be interested in. But it, it points out that hey, uh, gruel colors are also interested in attacking on the ground, um, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm pretty happy with a three mana three three anyway. But just combo this with any big dumb green creature, and I think you're pretty happy. All your big dumb creatures, you can get them all over the place at common. There's the Colossipede, which is a four green, four and a green, five, five vanilla. Totally fine. Um, but then you can also get cards like there's a the Greater Sandworm, which is a seven mana, seven, seven that cycles for two. And it also can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. There's let's, just some major beef in green. Let's talk for a minute about how amazing that Sandworm is. Um because this this card is kind of a big deal and I think shows a lot about the flexibility of cycling, right? Like mm -hmm. if if I could have a seven mana seven seven with pseudo evasion in my deck and guarantee that it's, I don't know, the 18th card down in my deck when we start playing, I think I would do that every time. I'd just slide it right in there because that's about where I want to draw it, right? After we've played for 10 or so turns and I've got enough mana to actually cast the darn thing, that's when I want to draw it. 
The downside of putting an expensive card like this in your deck is that sometimes it's in your opener and you've got two lands and you're never going to get to cast it. Sandworm's got a plan for you. You just cycle it. Get your next card anyway. I love it. I, I absolutely love it. And um, you're right. Like, just the flexibility. Like, I'm not afraid to put this card in my deck, whereas in some formats, I'm afraid to put a seven mana, seven, seven that doesn't do anything, excuse me, in into my deck. I'm just afraid. Um, but that flexibility and, you know, like you said, if you can always guarantee you're going to play it late in the game when your opponent's out of removal, you would 100% of the time. Um, and this just takes away that feel bad. I'm all about it. I love big, dumb green creatures to begin with. So dies to Doomblade, I don't care. I can cycle it on turn two. Yeah, you, you've just got said like, and it's going to cycling will also, I think, lead to less non games, right? Where mm. I kept a two lander. I didn't draw my third land. My opponent had a, I don't know, something like a five, four trample on turn three and just killed me. I don't, I don't know why that sprang to mind, but um, I think you'll have less games like that because you should be able to find your third land via a few cyclers. What do you think of the desert? Ceridon, uh it's a six four for a five and a red in in red obviously and it has cycling for just red i think that's absolutely a fine card it, it has the same strengths and weaknesses as the greater sandworm i obviously don't think it's as good as that and i think it's it's probably go- like it's in this awkward scenario in that I, I think that actually wants to go in the white red decks mm-hmm. um and it, it's not particularly great there right because i like to have some top end even in my particularly aggressive decks but the more aggressive your deck is, the worse cycling gets because aggro decks don't really want to trade a card for a random card that's like 50-50 to be land. You know, the, the death of aggro decks is flooding out and you don't want to do that. So I, I think the Ceridon's not really in a great spot, but it, it's it's in competition for kind of the, the same slot as the Sandworm. And you could do a lot worse for yourself. Like if you have this in your aggro deck and you're you know stuck on one or two lands, sure, you can keep it. You can cycle this. You can move along with your life. Um, but I think it might fit a little better in, in red green, potentially. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird card. Cause like, that's, that's always the problem with aggressive decks is like cycling gets a little bit worse in those. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to note the difference between a colorless cycling cost and a colored cycling cost. So this one cycles for a single red, which doesn't help you if you have green, green in your hand, Absolutely. right? To start. So if you, if you have green, green, and this is your cycler, you you kind of have to seriously consider, you know, I mean, you're probably not mulliganing it. It depends on the rest I'm of your not. hand, obviously. But you seriously, like, you can't just say, well, it's a cycler, I can keep it, right? You do have to consider those casting or those, those cycling costs. And there are, uh, you know, obviously the colorless ones are safer, but they're probably generally more expensive, I think, as I've seen as I'm scrolling through the set. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that is something to keep in mind is that not all cyclers, not all cycle costs are the same. Agreed. Okay. Uh, next up, this is my favorite, uh, this is my favorite archetype in this format, I think. Uh, it's Minotaur Discard Tribal. So we've cut Merciless Javelinier, which is, uh, two red and a black. So four mana for a 4-2, meh, but it's got a, a activated ability on it. Costs two generic mana and discard a card. Put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature, and that creature can't block this turn. I, I think this is very neat. I mean, this, this is not the card that I'm really looking for in this archetype. I don't think, um, but I think the archetype itself is neat as a whole. I didn't think it was either. And then uh, Neil actually sold me on this one. So what happens when you play the merciless javelinier, your opponent is given basically two choices. They can race you in which case you have a four, two that's going to swing back or they can stop attacking entirely 
because the fear of activation of this is you can essentially falter most of their team if you've got, you know, four or six mana laying around. So you can choose not to use the ability and develop your board, get some more land drops until you can get a giant falter. Or if they're going to race you and you're playing black red, you're probably set up to win that race a lot more than your opponent would be. So I think this actually secretly is the card you're looking for there. And then maybe your curve stops at six. So your seventh, eighth, ninth land are actually turned into a spell via this card. So I was initially thinking this is pretty cool, but doesn't really fit what I'm wanting to do. And then I'm like, ah, maybe it kind of does. Maybe it kind of does. So I, I, I think this is giving you the idea of that little tiny hellbent theme going there. Um, mm-hmm. but also like th- this card is, is terrifying. If you think about it from the opponent's perspective, like I can attack into you or I can just hold everything back and try to block. And like, that means the game is going to start revolving around this javelin ear, unless I have removal for it dies to doom blade. I guess it doesn't die to doom blade, but no. you know what I mean? Dies to magma spray. Dies to magma spray. But like, if the game is going to start revolving around the card, we've got a powerful card here. Yeah. See, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't I don't disagree with with most of that. I think the only point that I disagree with is are you actually going to be able to um you know reliably falter your opponent's board or are you going to just reliably falter part of their board? Cuz if you're trying to get to 6 mana, you're not holding cards in hand, you're playing your lands. Um well, you shouldn't have I, to I, the, the fact that you could falter enough yes. of their creatures means that your opponent has to respect that and that's just true. completely alter the way they're playing the game. That's true. So I think I think where this is more valuable though is I think it's it's more valuable as an enabler for some of your other cards that that are in this archetype. So for example, um where are we here? There's a black card. I'm just gonna find it here. It's a horror. Once I find it, I can tell you exactly what is is a four four and whenever you discard or cycle a card it gets plus two plus one right so it's four of the broken lands yeah there you go so four and a black for four four like i said whenever you cycle or discard another card it gets plus two plus one until end of turn and it itself has cycling for a single black so this is a way to you know turn your lands into extra damage here and also make your opponent's creatures not able to block and get smaller um there's this stupid rare which i have to draft multiple times the arc feed arc fiend of Ifnir. it's a three black black for a five four flyer demon whenever you cycle or discard a card another card you put a minus one minus one on everything your opponent controls and has cycling of two generic so um you know this is this is another way to enable these kind of discard synergies additionally it's also another way to get you heck bent to get you below one card in hand uh, or have one or zero cards in hand um, without, you know, having to cast things. Because, you know, you're not always going to be able to cast the cards in your hand. Sometimes they're going to get stuck or they're extra lands and you can't make those land drops. So you can you can spend the mana with the Javelineer to, to you know, there are certain cards that just get better um, when you have fewer cards in hand. So it's just a way to do that reliably um, at a cost, obviously. So yeah. you put all that together. It's very, very good. Um I don't think I'd be sad to never have it in this archetype. I don't know. It's tough to say. Maybe not, but like strategies that are encouraging me to dump my hand out on the board are very soft to removal. And that's the part that always makes me scared about doing this. Now there's, Mm -hmm. there's not great removal in the set, but we do have, you know, the instant speed, uncommon O-ring in white. We've got a pacifism style effect in white. We've got a, a five mana instant speed exile in black. Um, there's magma spray at common. So like any of these things where I'm like, let's go all in on these cards and discard my entire hand to make it work. 
I think there's still some risk associated with that, even if it's not as much risk as there was before. Like this is not super different than, than playing, you know, a grizzly bear and then putting an aura on it and seeing if you can ride that all the way. So I I don't like that aspect of it as much as I I do how the the game kind of has to revolve around, well, they could activate this. What happens if they do sort of thing, but I, I get it. If there's other cards in your deck that can also take advantage of that, that's certainly not a bad thing. Do you know what I just noticed? I don't know how I didn't notice this before. Do you notice a bit of a uh, a three color theme here? A bit of a three color theme. So, look at Merciless Javelinier. Okay. And then look at our next card, Shadowstorm Vizier. Vizier? Visier? Visier? What is that? Visor, I think. Okay. You notice how how they they pair well with each other? They certainly. And do. you notice that that they are Grixis colors. Yeah, yeah. Now look at Wayward Servant, which is a little bit further down the line, and it's got a zombie a zombie theme. Well, what else are zombies? Embalm. Yeah. So what does that match up like with? A little Esper theme. It's an Esper theme. I'm wondering if this is a precursor to a three color set next set. Well, it's almost like didn't Nikki B have something to do with the shards of Alara? Hmm. I think he was. We may have just broken it. Yeah, I think we figured something out. I think we did. It's almost like these mechanics play well together. Interesting. So, so we're we're not like it's it's even possible that you can even splash. I mean, there's not a lot of fixing, but green is stuck with it, dude. Green, you can splash if you want to splash. Play green. You can certainly do it easily. But you you can almost play like your 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 three colors, like your shards here. will play well with each other in this block mm-hmm. or this set. This is, this is interesting. Okay. Sorry. I had to, I just saw that. And it was kind of the light bulb went That's off in nice my head, catch, which is Dave. Like I looked which at these is very cards cool. all day and I didn't catch that. So yeah, yeah. You're onto something there. All right. All right. Carry on. So the shadow storm, I'm going to say Vizier, but I know that's not correct. That's, that's the ironic. That's the ironic way for me to pronounce it. I think Yeah, it's a blue and a, a black for a one, three flying, a human cleric, and whenever you cycle or discard a card, it gets plus one, plus one till end of turn. I I think so. This card is kind of telling us what blue and black want to do, which is in that deck, some cycling shenanigans. And you've got some build around enchantments to go with it. Uh, Drakehaven being one, I'm sure everybody's seen this card, but two and a blue for an enchantment. Whenever you cycle or discard a card, you may pay one. If you do, you get a two, two blue Drake with flying. And there's a similar card in black uh, called Faith of the Devoted, which is two and a black basically the same text except it drains them for two and you gain two um so it's it's kind of pointing you towards hey in blue black you'd like to be doing some cycling shenanigans and we've got some build around uncommons to go with you for that that said i I don't actually think this card is particularly good i I like a a one three flyer i don't necessarily like that i have to commit to two colors to play it so I, i don't think this is something i take and then go into blue black but i think this is something i'm pretty happy to have if i'm blue black as it holds back I mean, it should be holding back three twos if your opponent, you know, respects what you're doing and it can peck in for a little bit of damage here or there. And the ability is certainly not bad, uh, but I do think it gives you a, a, a kind of a, a guide for what you want to be doing while you're blue and black, which is doing some sort of cycling shenanigans and also probably trying to win in the air. Like it's not a coincidence the card has flying. Mm-hmm. Um, again, ties into that discard theme that we just covered in the with the previous card. Um, there's a lot of really good cyclers in blue. What I'm not impressed with in blue is the kind of the, what this, this ability is like prowess for, for cycling and discard. Um, 
the cards that it's on don't seem too great to begin with. So uh, I, I don't know if I'm sold on that entirely, but um, there are some just some very good blue and black cards that that you would play. I don't know if I'd play the Shadow Storm uh, human cleric Vizier here uh, very often. So it's just too hard to cast. And I think I'd play I it every know. time I'm blue and black. I don't think I'm necessarily crazy about it. it. It's awkward because part of the advantage of cycling is that it's instant speed. So I can hold up a counter spell or mm-hmm. instant speed removal and then cycle end of turn if I don't have the option to do it. And this card kind of wants you to cycle while you're attacking if you're trying to deal any damage to them. Um, so it, it, it's kind of weird there, but I mean, frankly, if this was blue black for a one, three flying, no more text, I'm probably playing that card. If I'm blue black. Yeah, that's fair. It does block really well. I mean, it's no ancient crab, but it blocks. It blocks. Don't, it blocks a moderate amount of creatures in this format. Yeah. Don't get all crabby um, on me, man. <laughs> it seems like it'll be, there'll be an opportunity to bluff a lot of cycling cards, I think, because there are so many cycling cards um, so, you know, sometimes you can bluff a combat trick when you attack or block, um, or, or don't attack in, in, in anticipation of blocking. Um, and I think it'll be much easier to do that as opposed to kind of a regular combat trick. So, um, that this card does go up in value and cards like it do go up in value in, in that kind of regards, but be aware, just don't bluff opponents that aren't aware that you can bluff, <laughs> meaning like you want to make sure you're bluffing people that are, that are, you know, at your level or better, I would say. So maybe not at your pre-release, but definitely, uh, on magic online and some of the intermediate and advanced cues potentially. All right. Next up. Do you want to do this one? Yes. Carry on my wayward servant. We've got white black for a two, two zombie. Whenever another zombie enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life sick i mean that's not sick i think it's really it'll be good in a zombie deck can we can we just like basically leave it there yeah Uh, like black white is the zombie deck it it doesn't look quite as linear as the warriors deck from cons of tarkir but it's not super far from it um We've got things like Binding Mummy, uh, which is a, a grizzly bear zombie. But whenever another zombie enters the battlefield, you can tap artifact or creature. So like there's, there's a lot of cards that, that care about you having zombies. There's various zombie lord shenanigans in black, um, one of which can give your zombies plus one, plus one in menace. So it's like you, you want to do zombie tribal. That's what black white wants to do. Um, go for it. I suspect since there are really good unconditional removal spells in black and white, you probably start going black, white for those then end up with zombies because so many of the cards are zombies anyway. And then you see this guy late and you're like, sure, you're a zombie. Welcome to the team. Gravedigger. Don't forget about Gravedigger. Oh, heck yeah. Let's dig it. My boy. So Gravedigger is a classic three and a black for a two, two zombie. Ding, ding. When Gravedigger enters the battlefield, you can return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Ding, ding. Those values all day. Um, what's your take on Stir the Sand? So it's a four black black for a sorcery that makes three two two zombies. And you can cycle it for three and a black to just make a single zombie. My favorite part of this card is the googly-eyed zombie naga. Because that is absolutely hilarious. Oh my god, look at that thing. I mean, it's, it's so gross. It's a bit terrifying. Uh, I think the card is is very, very powerful. Very good. Something I'm going to be picking often. Um, note that when you cycle it, you get a zombie. You can do this at instant speed. So you can, you know, jump in and block a four, two or something. If you need to trade it off, you get to draw a card that that's our, like a four mana flash, draw a card two two. I'm pretty happy with, 
And then like, if I draw it later and I decide that I want six power and toughness spread over three bodies, which makes it better for blocking, worse for attacking, I'm going to be happy with that too. But add in various, you know, pump zombie, zombie matters cards. Like there's times where I have the, you know, binding mummy in play, play this, tap their team and then swing for lethal. There's oh my a, God. There's a lot of cool things you can do with this card. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of stir the sands. I never thought of that synergy. That's amazing. Um, I'm going to talk about a rare here because I think this is a really cool card too is Liliana's mastery three black, black for an enchantment uh, rare. And it gives you, gives your zombies plus one, plus one. Plus you also get to make two, two, two zombies. I, th- I think if I went like first pick Liliana's mastery, second pick, uh, what did we just call it here? Stir the sands. I'd third pick the wayward servant if it came in the pack. And then if you got past a fourth pick, Lord of the Accursed, you're good to go. Because mm. we don't even have to go rare to get a pump for zombies. Like, this is the other key card for the archetype, I think. Uh, it's it's two and a black for a two, three. Other zombies you control get plus one, plus one. You can tap it, spend one and a black, and give zombies menace. Like, so good. Yeah, we, we've we've got a zombie lord at uncommon. We've got plenty of common zombies we're happy to play. And a lot of cards that make multiple zombies for one card. Uh, let's let's get going. Also, a lot of things that you wouldn't think are zombies are zombies. Look at the, the creature type. And every card that has Embalm comes back as a zombie. I'm sold. Can we come up with a nickname for Lord of the Accursed somewhere along the lines of Chief of the Foundry? Uh, what was the nickname for Chief of the Foundry? It, well, it's just Chief of the Foundry. But Lord of the Accursed is Chief of the Foundry for zombies. Okay. I don't know. We can work on that. Foreman of that. the Dead? Ooh, I like it. I like it. Sold. We'll, we'll find something. We'll find something. We'll find. Okay. I'm, I think that's, that's an early, early candidate though for, for nickname of the year. All right. So our last signpost and we've kind of jumped around a bit, um, but I, I'm enjoying this so far. So I'm not, uh, not terribly concerned, but weaver of current. So this is our another signpost into the big, dumb green things. It's one green and a blue for a nega nega, please. It's a two, two, and you can tap and add two colorless to your mana pool. So this signpost is telling you that not only do you have big, dumb green things you want to ramp into, but you also have things to spend your mana on at instant speed or ramp into in blue. So cycling, you want extra mana for cycling. You want extra mana for, you know, your in, your uh, your X spells in blue um, or holding up counter spells. This is a very, very tasty card. Yeah, one, one of the challenges that your traditional ramp deck faces is what if you draw all your ramp cards and none of the payoffs? One way to smooth that out is with card draw and blue is absolutely stuffed with card draw. So what I like about the blue green archetype is it's kind of like ramp, ramp, payoff cards and then card draw so that if you don't hit the payoff cards, you can just draw cards until you get to them. Cycling will help enable that some with you, too. So I, I think we're about trying to cast big, dumb things from green Maybe put one of the blue cartouches on it and give it flying in plus one, plus one and draw a card because why not staple that on there too? Uh, we've got inspiration with cycling these days. Uh, hieroglyph, hieroglyphic illumination. Uh, it's three and a blue for an instant draw two cards or you can cycle it for a blue. So like the the fact that blue green is really interested in ramping and has fantastic card draw means I think we've got a really good ramp deck, uh, particularly in, in the blue green colors. Also, like you mentioned, a lot of stuff at instant speed and, and flash. So I think we're pretty happy with that, too. How interested are you in a seven mana mind control that has cycling? I'm very interested. Very interested. Sign me up. Yeah. Lay claim is, is five blue blue for an enchantment. Uh, you disenchant a permanent and you control it. It doesn't even have to be a creature. It can be anything. You could take a um, land. 
you could absolutely take their land. Can you imagine your opponent has one only one land in play because they've been screwed the whole game and you flood out and play lay claim on their only land? That I would mean, be, how are they going to win? They can't win at that point, right? <laughs> and it's got cycling for two in a generic. So this is... Do you think it's one of the best cycling cards or the best cycling card? I mean, I think it's up there with the um, sandworm that we talked about earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is an effect that's powerful for a very high mana cost. I would always want it in my deck if I could guarantee that it's, you know, the 18th card that I draw. And I can sort of do that by being able to discard it um, now if, if I absolutely have to and then hold on to it later. So I think it's a very powerful effect that I'm excited to play. Um, and, and like blue green looks to be the best spot for that. Cause I can get the mana to cast it, um, and then draw some more cards, ramp out some more big things. And I, I guess when I say, you know, best card that you, that, that has cycling, I mean, best card that you'll ever consider cycling because there are some really powerful cards that have cycling that you're never, never going to cycle. cycle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like, you're never going to cycle the, the demon, um, but you'll, you may cycle lay claim because it costs you seven. So, mm-hmm. um, another card I'm interested in, in the ramp deck in blue is open into wonder which is uh, X blue blue for a sorcery uh, X target creatures can't be blocked. And whenever those creatures deal damage to a player, you get to draw a card uh, until end of turn. So you can either just win the game with this. And if you can't win the game with this, you could probably draw two or three cards and nug your opponent for five to seven damage. So I'm, I'm pretty interested in this card in the mm-hmm. ramp deck. It's okay. Yeah, it seems like an expensive falter to me. I'd rather just cast big stuff and put cartouches on them and kill them. Seems fair. That's it for our, signpost cards there's some pretty cool archetypes yeah i I think putting us into the archetypes there is is a really good way to start off a format and i I wanted to also if we may have a quick word about the rare lands and then maybe go through and just pick out a couple of commons from each color to make make sure that you're aware of before you sit down for your pre-release um i can dig it first up real quick word about the rare lands we've got a cycle of cycling lands which is really cool that they made a cycle cycle um just an, an example of one of them is Fetid Pools. That happens to be the blue-black one. It enters the battlefield tapped, has cycling for two, and it's an island swamp. So obviously anyone would look at this card and say, oh, okay, if I'm blue-black, I play this. And it can kind of be disappointing to open the rare lands if you're playing at your pre-release, right? What you may not know initially looking at these cards is you play this if you're blue or black. Because this is a way for you to be able to cheat on lands. If you've ever flooded out in a game of Magic, you know how important it is to be able to do something with your extra lands. And even if this isn't fixing you, the cost of playing a tap land is so low in most decks, especially for sealed, that being able to cycle it and get some value later, like if you draw this on turn seven, is just a huge upside. So as you're going through your pool and you're like, ah, I opened one of these cycling lands that's neat for my collection, or maybe, maybe I can sell it after the event. Um, don't just dismiss it. If you happen to be playing one of those two colors, put this in your deck. And if you happen to be playing both of them, it's a no brainer. Just go ahead and get it in there. But cycling turns a, a dual land into not just a potential fixer into just like you top deck to land. And that wasn't what you needed. Top deck again. I like it. Those are, those are, that's actually like a, you know, like a mini level up. It's like a mini next level strategy. Right. Um, so thank you for bringing that to our attention. I, I, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of that and um, getting those those tiny advantages, especially in a set where it's already leaning toward 18 lands, potentially like that needle is is much, I would say, much closer to 18 than it is to 16. Um, You know, getting advantages out of your your dead land draws is going to be huge in this format. That's funny. I would think the needle is moving closer to 16 than 
than 17, but still at 17, just because with so many cyclers, I can find the lands. I suppose. I suppose. Cycling. But you're also going to want to. Yeah. You've got to hit two. I mean, you've got to hit two. But once you hit two, you can get to three. But I I think 17 is where we end up. For sure. For sure. But what about, you know, cycling and then still being able to want to do something? On, on your main phase. You know what I mean? So like cycling and then still having mana left over to be able to cast the card you just drew as opposed to cycling at the end of your opponent's turn. Um, I don't know. I guess it, it's tough. It depends on, on where you are in, in kind of your, your cycle, right? In, in like your, your gameplay cycle. So did you just cast something last turn and you you're, have this cycling card in your hand? So you, you can't, you know, you have like your, you have your fetid pools in your hand and you're, you, and you draw another land and you're like, well, I want to do something this turn with my seven mana or six mana, you know, you want to be able to cycle and still have mana left over to be able to play the card that you draw. I don't know. It's interesting. 17 is probably correct, but, um, you know, there's a lot of, with the embalm costs and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to be able to have enough mana to, to be able to do all the things that you want to do and still kind of maintain your momentum. Mm-hmm. I guess it, is where I'm going with that. So yeah, it'll be an interesting balance. My, my initial impression was, Hey, we may be in an 18 land format, but then when I looked at how many things had cycling and how cheap all of the cycling costs were, it's like, mm-hmm. there's, there's no reason for me not to be playing 17 here. It's true. It's going to be very, very easy to hit your land drops. It looks like though. So I would think so don't, as long as you can hit two. don't mulligan, never mulligan, never mulligan, never mulligan. Okay. Um, you want to just go through, Wooberg order and just start picking off a few cards that we think are cool. Yeah. Maybe I can toss out some that we noted in the set review that I thought were going to be like just key commons to kind of be aware of. Um, not necessarily that they're all early picks or whatever, but just things you need to be like, know are in the format. Um, a, a big one for me. And I think the first one was compulsory rest, uh, which is mm-hmm. one in a white for an enchantment or a enchant creature can't block or attack. And it has two sacrifice that you gain to life pacifism with a bit of a downside mm-hmm. i don't think it's too much of a downside um it still deals with gods and you know your opponent's bombs quite well for the most part um however you want to be aware that putting this on an embalm creature is just not what you want to be doing at all it's pretty good i mean not the best pacifism we've ever seen but i mean you're going to be playing these for sure yeah yeah I thought another one for me, um, even though we just saw this card, it's it's worth being aware that this is still around. Impeccable timing. Uh, one in mm-hmm. a white instant deals three damage to target attacking or blocking creature. I think this card got a lot better in Amonkhet than it was in Kaladesh. Like it went from something that I was like, eh, maybe I have room for this, but I'd rather not, to something I may actually want. If If we don't have vehicles with pushed stats... And we're mostly looking at smaller-ish creatures attacking and blocking. A card like this can get a lot better. The good thing is, is it gets under a lot of the exert uh, combat bonuses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you can nug your opponent's Glorybound Initiate when they think they're going to get in for four lifelink. And you can kind of get them for cheap. So I kind of like that. Because um, a lot of these exert creatures that do have the combat stats are weak to start. And they have to be attacking and get that trigger um in order to to you know survive combat right so you can you can take advantage of those low stats with impeccable timing i i think it's kind of neat um i know you said you wanted to do commons but can we back up and just mention cast out because yeah, i think it's pretty think important that's even though it's an uncommon yeah so cast out is three and a white for an enchantment with flash awesome um and when cast out enters the battlefield 
you get to exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until this leaves the battlefield and it has cycling this is another one of those cards you're probably never cycling unless you absolutely have to um but this is your instant speed um what was it we had one very similar to this for one white white recently what was it called i remember it was in bfz i don't remember the exact name of the card suppression field something like that something like that um so very good card and there's not a ton of uh enchantment removal in this set yeah so i think cast it would be a very very good card yeah i think so too um and then i think probably three more commons in white that I wanted to mention just very quickly. I, I already mentioned the Ta crop elite, which is three and a, a white for a two, two flyer that you can exert to give the rest of your team plus one, plus one. Um, that's going to be a pretty big deal at forcing through some of your ground creatures while also having some peck damage in the air. Um, Dave mentioned the unwavering initiate, which is two and a white for a three, two vigilance with embalm for five. Like this is just a good set of stats and the fact that it has flashback is going to make it quite good. I don't know that I'm quite ready to go best white common, but there's a lot of value stapled to this card um, if you can trade it off for something. Like even trading it for a bear and then just being able to flash it back later is fine. And if your opponent doesn't have much of a board, a 3-2 will get some damage through. So I think I'm pretty happy with that. And then the the last one for me um, at common is Winged Shepherd which is five and a white for a three, three flying vigilance with cycling for one white. Like I'm not super excited to play a six mana, three, three flying vigilance, but if you staple on, Hey, discard it, if you don't have enough lands to play it, all of a sudden I'm, I'm all about a card like this. So I probably don't want more than like two, maybe three in my deck. But like, once I get to the point where I've got six lands in play, this, this is going to have an effect on the game. And the fact that I can't get stuck with it in my hand earlier, I think I'm pretty happy about that. So with a card like this, when do you think, what's your cutoff for cycling this versus holding on to it to play? So like, obviously, if you only have one or two lands and you're missing your land drops, you're going to cycle it. But if you have, you know, three or four lands and you kind of got, you know, you don't need to to hit action, like you kind of got a couple of creatures on board and you're kind of holding your own, are you going to still cycle it? Or are you going to maybe hold on to it and wait for a couple of turns to see if you can hit that, that six land drop? If if I'm not losing, I'm probably going to hold it. Mm-hmm. If if the board is actively not in my favor and things need to turn around quickly and a 3-3 flyer in a couple turns isn't going to do that, then it's cycle time. Right. I, I like this one because it is so cheap to cycle like that and that you can potentially cycle it and still play something on the turn you cycle it if you don't cycle it at instant speed on your opponent's turn. Yeah. And don't be it's don't be too cool. proud to do that. Like if you're sitting with four lands and you are behind, cycle this right now. Maybe you'll draw a three two. That's there exactly you what you need to get out of it. Yeah, making effective use of your mana, I think, is going to be important in this format. So trying to spend it as efficiently as possible. Yep, I agree. Um, are there any other uncommons in white that you think uh, are are key, interesting? I think I've got one for sure that we kind of missed, or not really missed, but it's the 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 vizier the i have to pronounce i have to figure out how to pronounce this of deferment uh it's a two and a white for a two two with flash and when it enters the battlefield you get to exile a target creature if it attacked or blocked this turn um and then it comes back at the end of the the next end step so this is interesting you can remove your opponent's creatures from combat you can save your own creatures in combat uh or you can just blink your opponent's tokens out of existence entirely or you can blink your guys that just exerted and get them untapped. Oh. 
Like, it's like it's like a modal spell with four four abilities that, at instant speed. That comes with a free two two. Yeah, this is this hmm. is so much flexibility on one card that I'm super happy to have it. Like they block your guy and use a combat trick. All right, flash this in, blink your dude, nothing happened. You know, or blink your own dude if it has a comes into play ability. So I, I think that there's a lot going on with the visor of of deferment. Um, the scathe zombie body doesn't have me super excited, so I wouldn't really count this as a three drop as you're looking at it. Try to think of it as a, a spell to mess up combat, snipe a token, unexert something that happens to come with a free 2-2 two, two later. Because I'm pretty sad if I'm ever casting this on turn three and just like, yeah, sure, here. Um, yeah. Or giving something vigilance. But I, I think there's a lot of power to this card, and it's certainly worth being aware of. Yeah. Um, Octera's Attendant is a card, is an uncommon I'm interested in. Actually, this is this is a really neat card. It's got It, it runs the whole gambit. Three white-white for a 3-3 three, three bird soldier. It flies, it cycles, it dices, and it has embalm. Yeah. It dices. I might have made that one up, but it's cycling for two generic, and embalm is the same casting cost as three white white. Bonkers, right? Yeah, this is just fantastic. At, at Uncommon, I'm taking as many of these as I can get. Th- this might be the card that I cycle the most and am happiest because I've cycled it the most. Yeah, because you can still cast it. Like, you discard it, 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 you draw a card, and you've still got it in your hand, basically. It's the same casting cost. It's like, I'll just put you away for later and I'll get just get this other card that's probably a little better at this point in time. But don't worry, I won't forget about you over there. Yeah. And then worst case and worst case scenario, you top deck it, you have the mana to cast it and you do. And then what are they going to do? Kill it? You just cast it again. Just cast it again. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And there are some sweet cards. Um, we could probably skip over most of the rares and, and mythics. Um, I kind of want to touch on the God cycle. Um, they're all very cool. They're all indestructible. They're all creatures. They're not enchantments like they were in, uh, in the Theros block. Um, and they all have some kind of ability on them that prevents them from attacking. And, uh, in this case, Octera is true to the, to the token theme that we see in white here. Um, and she is a, you know, three, three, six double strike, which is kind of bonkers. And she's probably one of the easiest ones that you can make attack because you just need, three other creatures or more um and her ability is three and a white to make creature tokens so gods are very cool you know they're mythic but i wanted to touch on them because i think that they vary wildly in their playability and their i guess grade if you want to call it that and i think octara is is kind of one of the the better ones she's one of the good guys yeah absolutely um i agree with you there first pick this when you open it play with it Mm -hmm. i do not believe this will disappoint all right I think I kind of liked that I'll pull out some commons and then you pull out some uncommons and, and rares to talk about. So let's do that again when we go through blue. Deal. Um, I think one of the, the better commons that we're looking at in blue is the Avon Initiate. This is three in a blue for a 3-2 flyer. Uh, old people like me will call that a snapping drake, uh, which has always just been a fine card. We've seen variants of this all throughout Magic. And this one has Embalm for six in a blue. So like obviously the Embalm cost is a little cost prohibitive, but like... I'm already happy with a four mana three, two flyer. That evasion is just great. And if the game does go longer and I can make another one, I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, so I'm going to put this in the, the, the good blue commons to be on the lookout for. Um, cancel is in the format that, that doesn't necessarily make it a good card. It's playable and sealed, but just be aware that there is a hard counter in this format. If your opponent is holding up blue, blue, you know, whatever, just be aware that there's a cancel out there. I think the blue cartouche is good enough to like have a small conversation about it. Uh, it's one in a blue for an aura. 
when it enters the battlefield, draw a card. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one, and has flying. You're probably not casting this on your blue cards because most of them have flying anyway, at least the good ones. But casting this on, you know, a 3-2 in white or a 5-5 in green and the fact that it replaces itself and triggers any of your trials, I, I think is going to make this a, a common to be aware of. And like an aura's got to be pushed before I'm starting to talk about it being a key common. This one's pushed. I think it's doing enough of that work, giving you the power toughness boost, plus the flying boost, plus replacing itself with a card. Like we've, we've built a package here that I'm interested in. Um, other big ones, um, Essence Scatter is here as a common. Be aware this is a counter spell for a creature. This is not a removal spell. It's kind of an excuse for if you didn't get enough to drop something to play. Like it's it's worse here than it has been in core sets where we've seen it in the past because like countering an embalmed creature is just going to feel awful. Um, I already mentioned Hieroglyphic Illumination, which is an instant speed inspiration for three and a blue, putting cycling on that gets rid of the, the, the downside of inspiration. And in that if you missed your land drops and couldn't get to four, it was kind of a bad card to have. And that's just gone. Now you can cycle this if you need to. Uh, there's a three mana bounce spell called Gale strike. It only bounces tapped creatures. So kind of be aware that your opponent could have that as well. Um, and I, I think that was most it draws of, a card as well. Yeah. It draws that's a the card key thing as well. about that card. Draws yeah, a card otherwise, well. it's just a terrible select for inspection. Mm -hmm. um, I think those are all the commons that I was interested in, um, with maybe a little bit of a nod towards the Seeker of Insight, which is uh, one in a blue for a 1-3, and you can loot if you've cast um, a spell, a non-creature spell this turn. I, th I think that, that may get you one or two loots over the course of a game, and I think a 1-3 is a relevant blocker. Um, so that, that, that's, that's a card, too. What about illusory wrappings? Yeah, I, I didn't really put this in the, the key common slot, but I mean, it is, it is kind of the removal that we get in blue these days. Um, it's two and a blue for enchant creature. Enchant creature has a base power and toughness of 02. We saw something very similar to this, and I think it was Dragons of Tarkir. Um, and it wasn't very good there. It, it may be better here if we're just interested in getting something... Um, out of the way, they can still block with it and it doesn't remove any abilities. So like if it's a flyer, they can still potentially block your flyer with it at least once. If it had a neat activated ability, they can still use it. Uh, so like it's, it's here, but I would call it a bad blue pacifism, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the only other one that I, that I am interested in that you didn't mention is the Naga Oracle. I'm really curious to see if this turns out to be a, a good card in blue. So it's the three blue for a two, four. And when it enters the battlefield, you kind of get to scry three, but the ones you don't want go in the graveyard. So you could look at the top three, pitch some to the graveyard and put the rest on top in any order. So um, I'd be curious to see if that turns out to be a good card or not. I think it's kind of... Um, I've got my eye on it. We'll just put it that way. Yeah, I, I think there's enough value stapled to that that it's probably going to do something. Yeah. Uh, some of the uncommons I'm very interested in are, first one is Angler Drake. Uh, four oh, blue, blue. yeah. Four blue, blue for a uh, four, four flyer that bounces an opponent's, or sorry, any creature, any target creature to its owner's hand. Um, so you can rescue your creatures from the pacifism effect if you don't want to sack it, for example, um, or bounce your opponent's creatures, get that tempo but it's like usually we see this on a much smaller creature or something on the ground um, to see it at, at a four, four in the air is amazing. You know, it, it's, it's like a modal spell where you get both modes all the time and you're happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty happy about that. Um, you mentioned Gale strike already trial of knowledge. 
is one that I'm interested in as well. So this is a, another in that in that trial cartouche cycle. Uh, three and a blue for the enchantment, and when it comes into play, you draw three and discard a card. Um, if you have the cartouches to bounce this, um, you know you can get some serious value off of this card. It, it's essentially functionally the same card as Sift, which we saw a long time ago in other formats, and it was just fine on its own. So even without cartouches, this is great. This is better than draw two, right? This is better than the inspiration variant mm-hmm. if you're willing to cast it on turn three. Uh, excuse me, if you're if you're willing to to cast it at, at sorcery speed. So this is mm-hmm. fine on its own, and then add in the cartouche value, and it gets even better. Yeah. If you get to bounce this twice in a game, oh my goodness! Take a screenshot, take a picture, send it to us, please, <laughs> on Twitter. Um, and then the the Vizier, <laughs> I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Of Tumbling Sands. This is a very neat card. It's a two and a blue for a one three uh, human cleric. Uh, it has the ability of tap untap another target permanent. So there's some exert uh, synergy there, even though that's not really the color combo for this. Um, but it has cycling for one and a blue, which is neat. And when you cycle it you can untap target permanent. So you can, there's potential for an ambush here, but there's also just potential for, um, you know, like ramp in blue or just untapping your exert creature. So I think it's a very flexible card. It's just kind of funny because it's kind of in this weird spot, you know, it's probably better in green than it is in, in, in blue, white or blue, red, which is where your good exert creatures are. Oh, I guess there's some exert creatures in green as well. So mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see where this falls in the format. Um, but it, it's a neat card, I think. Yeah, I think it's a good one. I think it's a good one. Yeah. But like like you said, it's probably a blue-green card. Yeah. Um, interesting rare card that I'm interested in. The Vizier of Many Faces. Heck yeah. Many Faces. Uh, a clone effect a shapeshifter so it's a two and a blue two blue blue sorry for it for a zero zero shapeshifter and when it comes into play you get to copy um another creature on the battlefield and it has embalmed for three blue blue not only do you get to copy once you get to copy twice that's neat yeah this looks absolutely stupid to me like four mana clone i'm already happy about four mana clone that dies into a five mana clone sold sold first pick yeah I don't know if there's a ton of end of the battlefield effects you can get off this, but you just want to be copying the best creature on the board. Um, and that's good enough. So. Alrighty. I th- um, the God, what do you think of the God in this color? I, Kefnet. I thought this was really difficult to evaluate, but I think I finally come down on this kind of sucks. Yeah. It's too bad. So it's two and a blue for a five, five end of indestructible flying. It can't attack if you, unless you have seven or more cards in your hand. Uh, but it does have the ability of three and a blue to draw a card. So it's like not a zero mage. Like what's the artifact that can draw you cards for like five mana? There you go. But it also, you can also return a land you control to your hand. Um, So you can get to that seven, but you're not doing it on like turn four. You're doing it on like way late in the game. So the fact that this is three mana just doesn't, doesn't mean really anything. It doesn't yeah. do anything in limited. This might be the worst out of all of them. I, I think it is. I also think it's a, it's an effect worth noting, and I, I don't think that all of that added up makes it a bad card, right? Like if we're at parity or I'm only slightly behind, this card is going to be fine. Like I'm going to start drawing extra cards, and that's going to matter and add up over the course of a game. It's going to get better if I have instants, so that you, you like you don't know whether I'm holding cancel. I, I could have it. Maybe I'm just looking to draw some cards. Um, so there's a, there's a lot going on there. And the fact that I can play some cards from my graveyard while not playing them from my hand, 
may add up a little better, but like mm. you, you can't just sit there and hold cards forever and expect to kill your opponent with this. Cause there are answers to it and ways to interact with it. Um, and, and like even turn three, I've got to sit for a while and like, if I'm attacking with it, I'm not blocking with it. So I, I think it could be right. So I, I don't think it's great, but I think the card's fine. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's really good if you're in a board stall though. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That might be where it's best. I think so. All right. You want to do it up for black? Let's do it. We're making good progress here. I think so. I think so. Um, so some kind of key commons that I picked out for black. Um, again, not necessarily saying you should pick these early, but I'm, I want to get you ready for your pre-release. Uh, Cursed Minotaur is two and a black for a 3-2 Menace. This card's just fine. Uh, menace is a, a decent form of evasion. It's also a zombie Minotaur. We've seen a lot of things that that trigger off of zombies, a lot of things that trigger off of Minotaurs. And a, a 3-2 pseudo-evasive is great. These play very nicely with combat tricks as well, and there's good combat tricks in in basically all of the colors at this point, uh, with I think the exception of blue. So like this is a card that I'm I'm interested in having. I also I mentioned Doomed Dissenter earlier. Um, I, it's not that I think this card is amazing, other than that it synergizes particularly well with a lot of the things that green and black are doing. Uh, so it's one in a black for a one one. When it dies, you create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. If you've got a bunch of creatures that come into play and need to put counters, negative one, negative one counters on something, this is just a fantastic target for that. Um, so I, I, I like that one quite a bit. Uh, Faith's, re- or excuse me, final reward is worth being aware of. This is what we get for removal these days, Dave. Um, yeah. Four and a this black. might be the best one in the set, right? Uh, yeah, it's probably close to it. Um, other than the, the uncommon O-ring variant, but it's like four and a black for an instant exile target creature. You need the thing dead. This kills it. You're going to have to pay a premium for it though. Um, but I, I think we're still happy with that. Um, Dave mentioned horror of the broken lands four and a black for a four, four has cycling for a black. Whenever you cycle or discard another card, it gets plus two plus one. Um, I, I don't think I'm jamming like eight of these, but I'm certainly happy with the first one or two. Um, and then I wanted to make sure I mentioned the combat trick too. Let me get down there to find that. Splendid agony. Oh yeah, splendid agony is worth mentioning. Uh, super, I'll get back to that. Supernatural. Oh, you're talking supernatural. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's the one I'm thinking about. Um, it's black for an instant until end of turn. Target creature gets plus two plus O oh, and gains when this creature dies. Return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control. That phrase makes this a little bit different than than making it indestructible. If you use this on a token, you're not going to get to keep it. If you use this on a creature that has an enter the battlefield ability, you're going to get to re-trigger it. Oh, uh, so look bo- at that. Both of those are kind of neat little interactions with that where you're probably going to win a combat and get to keep your dude all for one mana. I like it. Um, there was a, a basically a, a three-mana shock with Scry 1 and Aether Revolt, which I didn't really like. Splendid Agony is kind of that card, but fixed. Uh, for two and a black, I get an instant distribute two minus one minus one counters among one or two target creatures. I, I guess the dream with this is that I'm going to win two combats, but even a fail case, if my opponent's killing me with a two, three flyer, I can just turn it into an O one flyer and not have to worry about it. So there's a lot of, of flexibility on that card as well, um, which I, I think certainly makes it one worth being aware of. Um, and then lastly, I would be doing a disservice if I didn't mention Unburden. I like Mind Rot a lot in Sealed, like probably more so than the card actually deserves. Adding Cycling to Mind Rot has me very excited. The double black is a bit prohibitive, 
right? So you probably need to be playing nine or 10 swamps in your deck before you start to consider this. But this is a nice clean two for one and it eliminates entirely the downside of Mind Rot, which is your top deck it and, you know, oh, well, they don't have any cards in hand. It doesn't do anything. Just cycle it. Get a new card. I am going to get Unbird. I'm going to get Unbird to cast against me so many times. It looks, it's going to be a very annoying card. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Uncommons I like quite a bit. Uh, Baleful Amnit, or Amit, uh, which is a 4-3 Crocodile Demon. <laughs> it's just fun to say Crocodile Demon, isn't it? I want to know how a crocodile gets to be a demon, or how maybe this is like a demon's crocodile. I, I don't know. It's or weird. a crocodile's anyway. demon. Or, or a crocodile's demon. <laughs> Whatever. It's it's a 4-3 with lifelink, but you have to put a minus one, minus one counter on one of the creatures you control. So it's it, worst case scenario, it's a 3-2 lifelink. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm sold on that one. And again, if you can just put, if you just pile up minus one, minus one cre- or counters on something that has a pacifism on it or something like that, a 4-3 lifelink for three is pretty sweet. Agree. Um, bone picker. Three and a black for a three-two flying death touch. Like we like the the three-two for four in blue. This is a you know similar version with the upside of having death touch and the downside of not having embalm. It also has the upside of it costs three less to cast if a creature died this turn. So I'm not I'm not too concerned about that. But maybe you can play this and a three drop on turn four sometimes. Um, but I am very interested in the flying death touch uh, quite a bit. I think agreed. Uh, Grim Strider, which I think will be a a good card in the discard matter or the hand size matters deck. Uh, three and a black for a six six, but it gets minus one minus one for each card in your hand. Um, I think a lot of the time this is going to be a minus four minus four um, on average, and if you're in the right deck, it shouldn't be too hard to just be a, a six six a lot of the time in the right deck. Yeah, yeah, I, I would make that caveat in the right deck. Um, speaking of the right deck for it, how about Ruthless Cycle or Sniper? Sorry, whenever you cycle or discard a card, uh, you may pay one, and if you do, you put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature. Uh, this comes stapled to a single black casting cost one two human archer. This is a neat card. I think it's really neat. Like the one two body could, it, at the very least, be involved in some double blocks. But I, I want to make sure I've got something close to eight ish cycling cards before I'm super sold on this. Um, once I do, I think it goes from being interesting to quite good. What if you had like not as many cyclers, but you had a lot of discard effects? Are you still are like are you still okay with that, or maybe I, not so much? I'm nervous going into that deck, right? right? Like that that's the part that makes me a little scared of it, um, and, and that I don't want to be making myself discard cards. Uh, so I, I think I'd prefer to be playing this with cycling rather than you know, my own discarding, but I guess it is protection from the mind rot, right? What are they going to do? Mind rot me and let me just nuke something. Oh man, it's a counter to unburden. I like that. You can also unburden yourself. You can, you can, if that's what you need to do, or you can cycle the unburden and, you know, just ping a thing <laughs> and I'd, just draw cards instead of <laughs> discarding. discarding I think I'd rather do that, but you know, it's, it's your mm-hmm. call. It's your call. Yeah, yeah. You know, your mileage may vary. And then we've got the Trial of Ambition, which is the uh, black trial. Um, one in a black, and when this one comes into play, target opponent sacrifices a creature. So you don't want to play this against token decks, um, but it is cheap enough that you might be able to snipe something of value early. And if you can get repeat value off of it, obviously it, it goes up in value. So 
Yeah, and, and you can make attacks and blocks in such a manner that you can get some value off of this as well. Um, one of the rares I'm interested in in the zombie theme is the Plague Belcher. Let me find it here. This one's neat. It's a 5-4 menace for 3, 2 and a black. What? Uh, unfortunately, it does put 2 minus 1, minus 1 counters on target creature you control, but you just kind of pick off a zombie with that. And then that also has the added upside of whenever another zombie you control dies, each opponent loses one life. You want to turn two doom to center, turn three this guy, and they just lose. Oh my god, living the dream. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's really good. Um, and then the god. So, um, what's the god's name? I, I don't have it on my list for some reason. Huh. Uh, Bond to the glorified. That's to- why. There we go. Two and a black for a 4-6. Menace indestructible. Can't attack or block unless a creature died under your control this turn. One and a black. Sacrifice another creature. Scry one. Each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, it's true. Assuming you're you're in a token deck. Or like a deck with a lot of creatures that or, or things that you want to die. I don't even know if you necessarily need it to be that. Um, because nobody's attacking into this on the ground ever, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's just not going to happen. And if we get to a point later in the game, we're kind of turning, you know, our bad creatures into uh, lava axes, which I, I think I'm kind of on board with as well, right? Like they're going to take one from the the sacrifice ability, um, and you don't have to use it for them to be able to not to attack into it. You just have to be willing to sacrifice something and block. And like it's indestructible. What are they going to do? Use a combat trick? Yeah, exile it is about all you're going to be able to do. Yeah, I guess I never really considered the threat of activation on defense. That that does make this a very interesting card to play around. Yeah, I, I think it's going to lead to an immediate board stall. And if you've got ways to break a board stall, like, I don't know, sacrificing creatures and hitting them for four, um, <laughs> I think you're going to be pretty happy. So I, I, I like Bantu. All right. Uh, that's, I think, a good wrap up on Black Buck. Looks fun. I can't wait yeah. to draft it. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about uh, playing black. Um, red cards that we want to be aware of. I think one of the big um, comments here is Electrify. This is three and a red for an instant deals four damage to target creature. From what I've seen, this is killing most of the non-green things that you want to kill. It's instant speed, and there is no more revolt. So you can actually play this on your opponent's turn and get value. Um, plus leaving up any other instance that you have. So I, th- I think this is kind of your premier kill spell. Uh, I think you're going to take Electrify early and often and play most of the ones that you get. Um, I think probably my favorite card out of the new set is the Emberhorn Minotaur. Three and a red for a 4-3. I'm good there. You had me at that. Add on, I can exert it. It gets plus one, plus one and gains menace until end of turn. So, like, I can attack and block with a 4-3. If that's not good enough, I can turn it into a 5-4 menace for a turn. If I've got any untap effects, it's going to get even better. Um, or I can just kill you with it and follow it up with a fling. Speaking of fling, be aware that fling is in this format. That doesn't make it a good card, but it makes it a card that exists. And if you're at 10, you need to be very careful about taking 5 if you're playing somebody that's playing red. Because they could be doing cheeseball things with fling. I'm certainly not above doing it myself. Fling is one in red for an instant as an additional cost to cast it, sacrifice a creature. Fling deals damage equal to the sacrificed creature's power to target creature or player. Decks that are playing this can also use it when you go for a removal spell. 
to sacrifice the guy you were removing anyway and killing one of your guys. That's not them getting a two for one, right? That's just them turning fling into a removal spell. It still kind of feels like they got you when they're able to do that. Um, but that's just sort of getting extra value out of the card. Most of them are playing it to try to kill you with it. Um, another card that, I, well, that's an uncommon. I'll let you get to that one was the limits of solidarity, but I like that card a lot. Um, magma spray. I think it's worth noting um, that in most formats where we've seen uh, magma spray, which is uh, one red for an instant, two damage to target creature, exile it if it would die. I think this is actually a little bit worse um, than, than we would anticipate. Like shock didn't quite kill everything I wanted to in Aether Revolt, and that was pairing it with a common 2-1 first striker, which we just don't have here. Uh, so I, I don't think that makes this bad. Um, and it's certainly worth knowing that it's in the format, but I don't think I'm counting this in my pile of removal spells for sealed. And uh, like, I'd probably take the Minotaur and I'd probably take the Electrify over it in draft, um, mm -hmm. which again, it's very early and I could be quite wrong about that, but uh, that's my initial impression. And I, I think it's worth mentioning that while we're talking about it. Uh, but those are kind of the commons I wanted to go through. And unless you kind of think that uh, I'm wrong on the magma spray. Not not wrong, but I think there is the upside of um, exiling the entomb creature or the embalmed creatures. Yeah. So I I can't remember the count of them off the top of my head. I know there's a couple of good ones that this deals with. Um, so it'll really depend on the the actual count of the number of X twos that there are in the format. Um, but this does you know dead it good basically. I would say so. Um, that is something to keep in mind. Like I don't know if I'd be unhappy to play one. I don't think I'd say I'm unhappy to play one, but I think there's two cards that I'm interested in picking over it, which are both mm -hmm. four drops. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that may mean as we get into draft, which we're still a long way away from draft. But if I'm right about that, it may mean that seeing one of these fifth pick isn't like, oh, red's open. Right. I got you. Okay, that's fair. Um, uncommons I'm interested in, the Oncop, Oncrop Crasher. Uh, it's a Minotaur Warrior, two and a red for a three, two with haste. And it has exert, and when you exert it, target creature can't block this turn. Reminds me a lot Neat. of Goblin Heel Cutter. Yes, yes, it does. That is uh, that's good. So um, the the cool thing is is that if you're on the play with this, and you're obviously your opponent, like the odds that your opponent does not have a two drop are reasonable. You can get a few attacks off with this, hopefully before you have to exert it to keep it alive. And then even then, you can like you know play it on turn three, attack for three, hopefully. And then untap and exert and get another three in before you have to start being strategic with it. So it's it's like you're getting a very consistent, at least on the play, I would say six damage off of this card fairly reliably. Mm -hmm. That's that's a lot um, for a three drop. Yes, exactly. Um, and then obviously you can finish a game off with it at some point in the future as well. So um, Battlefield Scavenger is one in a red for a two two Jackal Rogue. Um, this is interesting. You can it says you can exert it when it attacks with nothing else attached to the exert there. And there's a reason for that. And that's because it has the additional clause of whenever you exert a creature, you can discard a card. And if you do, you can draw a card. So I don't know how good this will be. Um, looting is, or rummaging is definitely not as good as looting um, because you have to discard in advance. However, if you combo this with discard shenanigans, you know, um, we saw some cards, you know, the archer, for example, um, maybe it goes up in value, but the fact that this applies to a lot of your creatures that, you know, in this, in this color combo, I guess, if you're playing white, red, um, 
you know, you may be able to get multiple rummages off at once, which could dig you to a card that you need, for example. So it's something to do with your leftover lands in your hand as opposed to pitching them to minotaurs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how good this card will be, but it'd be interesting. It's, it's definitely on my radar. <laughs> this card. I'm very excited to play this card. Blood Rage Brawler. Um, man, I love the minotaurs. I like minotaur tribal. Can we just have nothing but minotaurs in the next set <laughs> i like that you like cats i like minotaurs um it's one in a red for a four three it, it, just let that sink in for a second that's one in a red for a four three now it has the downside i mean it's a tiny little tiny drawback of <clears throat> when it enters the battlefield you have to draw a card or sorry discard a card um so you're, you're pitching a card when it enters the battlefield on its own it's just you know you're two for wanting yourself to stick in a stupid aggressive creature late game. If, if you're hell bent, you know, obviously you, you draw this and you, and you put it on the battlefield and you don't have to discard anything. That's great. Um, so it's a, it's a four, three late game. It's fine. I think the advantage here is, is that if you are playing an aggressive deck and you don't want necessarily, you don't want cards in your hand or you have some kind of discard synergy, I think this card goes way up in value. So <laughs> like, we, we just mentioned that the previous card could do six damage to our opponents if we're on the play and they don't do anything on turn two. This thing could do eight in that same situation. And can you imagine going Blood Rage Brawler into Ancrop, Ancrop Crasher and mm-hmm. nug your opponent for 14 before they even know what hit them? Yeah, there's a dream curve there. There's there's also some real downside here. Like it reminds me a lot of the Pale Rider from Shadows. Um, I can't remember if it's Shadows or Eldersman. But it was yeah. a you know two mana three three skulk four three is way better than three three skulk, um, like the the skulk on that was always weird to me. Uh, but we don't have madness, so we're not using this to enable anything. If we're discarding an embalmed creature, I guess we're okay with that. Um, and if we're on the play, I'm going to cast this on turn two all the time and be like, "Yo, you got something?" Because um, if you do, you got me right. Like imagine you you go in on this and they're like, "Yeah, pacifism." What? Yeah, you you kind of got wrecked. That's the worst case scenario. I wouldn't be afraid to side this out um, if your opponent's like has cards that counter it hard. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I think you can get a lot of I think you get a lot of free wins off of this card. So absolutely. Um, next card I really like is Deem Worthy. I deem Heck this card yeah. worthy Heck of yeah. a spot in my deck. Um, four and a red for an instant that deals seven damage to target creature. I mean. Good enough. That's bonkers. But also, if there's nothing you want to deal seven damage to, which may be rare, you can cycle it for three and a red and deal two damage to something when you cycle it. It's a lot of flexibility. There were times where we have some five mana deal five damage card and we're like, man, it sucks to have to kill a 2-2 flyer with this. Well, now all of a sudden it doesn't suck because we can kill a 2-2 flyer for a mana discount and draw another card. Yeah, that's a lot of flexibility on a kill spell. And like, I would have played it if it was just five deal seven. I wouldn't have been jumping up and down about it. But you add the cycling on there uh, for, you know, four. It's basically a split card. And that that flexibility is just huge. Absolutely huge. One of the top uncommons, I think. Mm -hmm. Speaking of top uncommons, the Trial of Zeal. Uh, two and a red for an enchantment when it enters the battlefield. You get to deal three damage to target creature or player. And of course, when you play a cartouche, you bounce it back to your hand. This card goes up in value the more cartouches you have. Like, if you can cast this twice, you are living the dream, son. And even if you just cast it once, you're pretty happy about it, right? It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would prioritize this um, early 
and look to pick up the cartouches of the color, whatever color I'm pairing with red. Um, because I think the red cartouche is, is not as good as let's say the green or maybe the, you mean the best the, common in the, the set, the blue one. Yeah, I guess we'll get there eventually. Um, the green or the blue one, for example. Um, but I wouldn't fault you for playing, you know, the red one if you're looking to be aggressive and and getting some some bounces off of this trial of zeal. I, I agree with that. I also want to go back for a moment and talk about uh, limits of solidarity. Um, mm, I missed that one. Yes. I think this is kind of a big deal because it's an example of a fringe effect that adding cycling to makes it quite good. This is three in a red for gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature, it gains haste until end of turn. We've seen an effect similar to this in just about every magic set I've played in, but it's got cycling for two. There's so many times I've been playing some sort of red deck that's aggressive-ish, and I'm like, do I want active treason? Do I not want active treason? I'm not sure. Put this in your deck. If, if you're in a position where active treason is great, still their dude, win the game. If it's not, cash it in for something else. Like just adding that flexibility to this card makes something that you would sometimes have in your sideboard, sometimes main deck, into something that you just always main deck. I will keep that in mind. I'm not usually one to play threat and effects, but I do like the flexibility of that. Yeah, I'm not either, but now I am. Once I can cycle it, if it's not good, all of a sudden I'm interested in threatens. All right. Getting close to the end here. You see the the end of your 12-hour total combined set reviews in sight here? Yeah, I can I can see I can see the end from here. <laughs> um the green commons start us off with my pick for best common in the set, uh which is the Cartouche of Strength. Two and a green, enchant creature you control. When it enters the battlefield, you may have enchanted creature fight target creature and opponent controls. And if that wasn't enough, let's give it plus one, plus one and trample as well. So if you liked Hunt the Week, boy, are you going to love Cartouche of Strength. It's a cheaper Hunt the Week. I didn't know that was possible. It's a cheaper Hunt the Week that gives the thing trample too and triggers all of your trials. This is just stupid good. Take it, play it, run it. Um, it, it, there's, and there's tons of good targets for it. So super happy with that card. Um, other things that we haven't quite mentioned yet. Um, giant spider is back. We've seen this card through many, many magic sets, but three and a green for a two, four reach. Always happy to have that card in my deck. Green is typically very weak to flyers. Um, so pick these up, play them. We mentioned the greater sandworm. I I won't harp on that one too much, but the flexibility of a a seven drop with cycling is kind of a huge deal. I mentioned haze of pollen earlier too. This is one in a green instant prevent all combat damage that would be dealt this turn. And it has cycling for three fog is a card that everyone tells you not to put in your deck because it's so narrow. All of a sudden, when you give cycling to a narrow card, you can main deck them because worst case scenario, you just cash it in. If you're not in a racing situation, but if you get into a situation where you're racing or where you're like, you can attack your opponent and then be air quotes dead on the crack back, maybe they just take the damage and are like, okay, I'll kill you next turn. Haze of pollen. You just blew them out. Game over, man. So I'm not saying you have to main deck this every time, but I'm saying don't be afraid to main deck a uh, fog with cycling. Um, the Naga uh, Vitalist, I think is a, a pretty key common here too, as we've already identified that green blue is quite interested in ramping. I think many of the green archetypes are just going to be interested in ramping. And this is a a one in a green for a one-two Naga Druid. You can tap it to add a mana to your pool of any type that a land you control could produce. 
Uh, so here's your ramp card. I, I think we're pretty happy to play a good number of these. And it's pseudo-fixing, right? Like if I have only one island and want to cast a double blue spell, but I've got this in play, I can do that. Uh, so I, I think I'm pretty interested in that too. And then there's just a, a, a kind of two-card combo at common that's just a beautiful curve in the uh, Ornery Kudu, which is two and a green for a 3-4. When it enters the battlefield, put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature you control. So by itself, that's kind of a, a, a three-mana 2-3. Two, three. But if you follow it up with a quarry hauler, three and a green for a four, three, when it enters the battlefield for each kind of counter on target permanent, put another kind of that counter on it or remove one from it. That means I can attack you with this as a three, four the following turn. So like these guys are best friends. They're commons and they're certainly interested in curving out together. Um, and then I, I think the last big one for me at common to be aware of is shed weakness. Uh, this is one mana for an instant Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. You may remove a minus one, minus one counter from it. So you, you can kind of build your own giant growth. But like one mana combat tricks are typically pretty good. And plus two, plus two is enough to basically um, win any combat that you're going to get involved in for the most part. So I think I'm pretty happy with that. Um, and, and then I guess a, a nod towards uh, Stinging Shot. Neil had mentioned that he might just main deck this in a green deck. Uh, it's one green for an instant Put three minus one minus one counters on target creature with flying. And the reason you can main deck it is it's it's got cycling. You're already weak to flyers. You're playing green. So if you're not blue-green, maybe you just want to play this and cycle it if you don't have a good target. God, a lot of these green-blue decks are just going to be packed to the gills with like cycling cards that are situational. You're like, well, I'm going to put a staying shot in and this fog in and this other cycling card and this other cycling card and some blue good cycling cards. It's going to be great. Mm -hmm. Can't wait. Um Cory Hauler versus Fen Hauler, which one hauled them better? <laughs> uh, Cory Hauler, in my opinion, it's it's got more synergy. It comes out earlier. Like we're talking fail case scenario, I get a 4-3 for 4. Like the, the only time we've seen that stat line and it wasn't particularly good was in Battle for Zendikar. And that was because there was so much synergy going on in that set that being a worm just wasn't good enough. I don't think there's that much synergy going on here. And even if there is, this plays with it. Uh, so let, mm -hmm. let's haul the quarries and, and leave the fins where they are. <laughs> All right. Uncommons, I am interested in. Let me just see here. We've got the Defiant Great Maw. Two and a green for a four five question mark. I love these stat lines. Um, it does have the downside. You have to put two minus one minus one counters on target creature you control. Uh, but whenever you put one or more minus one minus one counters on the Defiant Great Maw, you get to remove a minus one, minus one counter from target creature you control. So you can actually control where those minus one, minus ones go. Um, this will be very good with the the beetle, obviously. Um, very interested in that. It's also um, good with the black guy that dies into a 2-2 two -two zombie. Again, oh, you can just have a three mana 4-5. I love it. I love that little guy. And he turns into a 2-2. Two -two. It's so good. Yeah. You could have a 2-2 two -two and a 4-5 on turn three. Mm -hmm. That's a board. Yeah. I mean, they both have summoning sickness, so yeah, not, not the best. But oh, yeah, um, yeah. Exemplar of Strength is this would be, uh, I'm not sure where this card will land. Um, I think it depends on how slow your opponent's deck is, but it's a two mana, four, four with uh, three minus one, minus one counters on target creature you control. Um, and whenever it attacks, you can remove a minus one, or sorry, you have to remove a minus one, minus one counter from it. And if you do, you gain one life. So, it's attacking as a 2-2 that gains you a life. Um, but again, if you can dump these on something else, you know, 2 mana 4-4 four, four is 
pretty sweet. And it will you eventually this grow with, into a 4-4. Four, four. Assuming you can attack with it. Um, if you're on the play and you can attack with it once and then the next turn it attacks for a 3-3, three, three, I think that's probably the like the best case average scenario like that's that's kind of the not necessarily the ceiling but like the the high point in the in the curve i think you can expect on that one mm-hmm. um and of course you can always just dump these on your your festering goblin or something like your festering zombie festering mummy that's the one um or, and just make again, this a four four on turn two man a guy that d- dies into a zombie like just play it off curve you're good man I love the Doom Traveler is just like if you look at the art on that one too, he's like falling off a cliff or something. Or like like he, he looks like happening. he's in peril. He knows what's happening and, and that's the reason why he's in it's your like deck. You put me in this deck to kill me. I know what you're about. A card that is the early candidate for card I'm going to hate the most playing against is the scaled behemoth, which is a four green green for a six seven hex proof. Oh god. <laughs> like, come on. It had to be six seven. Like, couldn't it have been 7-6 to make it easier to double block? Now, think about putting any cartouche on it. It gets oh trample, it gets flying, it gets first strike, it gets lifelink. The only one that's not super exciting is the the red one, but, I mean, it's still going to kill you. <sighs> and, like, we're oh, already man, playing man. those and happy about it. This is just, this is not a fun card. Um, draft this one, folks. If it's in your sealed pool, look at it as a reason to be green. Yeah. Uh Chefette monitor is a five and a green for a six five um the key card here or the key thing here is it has cycling for three and a green but when you cycle it that's really expensive on the cycling um you can search your library for a basic land or a desert card and put it in onto the battlefield so it's expensive ramp with the upside of just being a six five i don't know how often i'll play this but i think it'd be interesting if i have a lot of sevens or eights in my deck that i want to be casting you will play this every time you first pick it you think Yep, and I think you will first pick it quite often. This is this is a lot of flexibility. Like green is already interested in ramping. So if I've already done my ramping, cool. Here's something I can cast. If I haven't yet, I can use this to ramp and get a two for one. Like it doesn't just put the land into play untapped, I might add. It also draws you a card. You're right. I missed the untapped part. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Not, not that that's a huge difference, but I think the stat line bothers me for this. You know what I mean? Like like six five. I'd rather that be a five six. Maybe I'm just being nitpicky. A, 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 maybe a little bit, but like remember, like how terrible it is to play a ramp deck and ramp into nothing. This is mm. a ramp spell that's also something to ramp into. Like tying both of those into a card just makes it fantastic. This this is a very good card. All right, you've convinced me. And then the last one I'm interested in is Trial of Strength, which is the, the green trial, obviously. Tuna green. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you get a four two. Um, not as good as the other ones however again if you could loop this you know if you're playing green and happen to have the cartouche in green you know all of a sudden you're you're you have a 5-3 trampler potentially with a 4-2 backup on the way and that 5-3 fought some piddly little 2-2 on the other side of the table um it's a neat card not the best one but i am interested in playing this i think i i agree i also think it's worth letting our listeners know that synchronized strike exists in this format uh this is two and a green for an instant untap up to two target creatures they each get plus two plus two until end of turn that's already a great combat trick to like win two combats or snipe you when you attack back and add in the the pretty strong exert theme that we've got in green white and red already uh and we're talking about a a a card that i'm very very interested in um and and like be aware that this exists because it can certainly blow you out 
All right. Um, rares? There's a lot of really cool rares I'm interested in. What do you think of the champion of Ronas? The three and a green for a three, three, and when it exerts, you just get to put a creature on, into play from your hand. There's a lot of cool dreams to be had with this card. Um, I think it's quite good. I think it's a hill giant that's kind of letting you skip some mana. So it's sort of like a hill giant with a ramp spell. And the fail case isn't that bad. And 3-3 three, three seems pretty good here. Um, we're not really cheating crazy things into play with this, like Eldrazi in this set or, or whatever. But even if I can just attack with it, cast a five drop on my... Let's say I've just got two Colossipedes in hand, right? And I just attack with it, put one in play, and then play the other. Shazam, I did it. So I, I'm pretty happy about this. I'm not nuts over it. Right, because we're we're all dreaming about putting the the hexproof crocodile in, or you know, some absurdly costed card. But even if we just you know cheat a three drop in and then play another four drop, I think we're pretty happy. Yeah, um, Chandler Chandler initiate is something I'm also interested in. That's the the ramp, the human druid. It's one in a green for a three four that comes in with three minus one minus ones, and then it has like the the uh, the ability to tap and remove a minus one minus one counter from it to add any color to your mana pool. So you can use it three times and then it's a three, four. Yeah. It's, if it, you, it's a ramp card that ramps itself into a three, four, or again, you can dump these counters on something else. If you want, you can dump counters from something else on this and get more man like this. Th- this is, blah, this is really good. This, this is a neat card. I really like the flexibility of this. And sometimes you don't want your dorks to be dorks on turn 15. And, and it's, it's not. not a dork on turn 15. That's the best part. Yeah. This is very good. Yeah. Um, and then the God, uh, we missed the red one. So I want to go back to that. Ooh, um, honored Hydra. This is a sweet card. This is the, the most interesting and bomb card. I think in the format, um, five and a green for a six, six with trample and you can embalm it for three and a green beauty. I'm sold. Yeah. Remind, I think it was roar of the worm was the old card yes. that was similar to this. And it, it's very similar to that card. Um, trying to find the God. Why? I, Ronas, that's it. Alphabetical order, David. Um, Ronas, the Indomitable. This is the 5-5 Death Touch, Indestructible. And it can't attack or block unless you have another creature with power 4 or greater. And its its ability is 2 and a green to pump another creature uh, plus 2 plus 0 and give it a trample until end of turn. This is probably one of the easiest ones to activate and be able to attack and block with because most of the creatures are at least two power and it's very, very cheap to activate to, to be able to attack or block. This is almost like tuna green, make this card a creature that can attack. Yeah. And like, we've seen plenty of four power dudes and dudettes in green mm-hmm. already just by themselves. Like if you, if you're willing to dump counters on, on one creature, you can probably get something pretty big. Like what I think we are wanting to do is cast um, this God and then follow it up with a crocodile of the crossing and attack your opponent for 10. And that that's not an absurd oh, that is series gross. of plays. Like we can make that happen. Worst case scenario, you know, cast. I've I've said this a lot, but cast your your two two mana zombie guy that dies into a zombie. Cast your god. Cast a defiant great maul. Put the counters on the zombie. Get a two two attack with your god. Like I, I can see this attacking on turn four, um, and at least by turn five, pretty reliably. Yeah. I, I this will be one of the better ones I think and going back um, I think to the red one because there are a couple of rare cards in red that I want to mention um, first of all is this dragon how sweet is this thing the glory bringer oh yeah there are so many pushed rare cards in this set like I, I expect this to be a mythic when I first saw it three red red for four four flying haste it's pretty sweet right there 
And then you can also exert it, and it it deals four damage to target non-dragon creature and opponent controls. Yeah, so like if it's good to kill one of their things, kill one of their things. If it's not good to kill one of their things, you're probably killing them with four points flying in the air every turn. Yeah. <laughs> this is probably the card I'm happiest to exert and not untap with. It's like, I don't care. I did you four damage, and I nugged your 3-3 three, three flyer that was going to block this. Yeah. Like that was going to chump this. Or that was going to double block it or something. It's like, yeah, I'll I'll trade. I'll take a turn off to be able to, to do that every time. Yeah. yeah. And Let's then the, the god. Way. Yeah. Hazard the Fervorant. Um, this one has haste. So it's 5-4. Um, and it can't attack or block unless you have one or fewer cards in your hand. Which at four mana might be difficult, but late game is easy. And if you're in this color and you know you have the god, you're just dumping your cards anyway. So that when it comes down, you have a 5-4 indestructible haste. It also has the ability to of two and a red to discard a card, and you get to deal two damage to each opponent. So you can turn your extra lands into damage. Yeah, I think I like this one too. I also, even though we won't do this in limited, I think it's really awesome how the gods interact with the vehicles from the Kaladesh block and should lead to lots of opportunities to say things along the lines of, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> how long have you been waiting to get that one in there? Somebody said that on stream. I think it might have oh, been okay. Isarok or Ling, but uh, that, of that course one really, it was Isarok or Ling. Yeah, that okay. made me okay. really happy. And I was like, yeah, we, we got to get that in there somewhere. Are there any other rare cards you want to talk about in the in the multicolors or anything like that? Like they're all pretty much self-explanatory. I'm really excited to play the the Minotaur one. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we need to go too deep on any of the other cards. Um, like look at them, evaluate them on your own. I, I think what I wanted to do was be able to give people an idea of the archetypes and the commons to kind of look at and then make sure everybody understands how to play with cycling uh, because it, it's a returning mechanic. So like I've played with this mechanic before. I know what it does. Uh, we don't have to learn this one from the ground up. I could be off on my evaluation of embalm cards or exert cards. It's very unlikely that I'm off on my evaluation of the cycling ones. Mm. I agree. Okay. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up there then. That was uh, coming in just around two hours. So we just a little over what we expected, but uh, I thank you for sharing your evening with me and you should probably go and get some sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's on my to-do list. <laughs> All right. So thanks everyone for listening. And uh, if you want to catch Travis or myself, you can catch us on Twitter or Twitch. Uh, Travis, you can be found at? At Simulan on Twitter and twitch.tv slash Simulan if you are so inclined to watch a stream. And I am on Twitter and Twitch at dcivilian. That's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N. Once again, thanks for listening, and we hope you have a very wonderful pre-release if you choose to partake. And if not, we'll see you on Magic Online.